This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I'm never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book man. Dan, the comic book man is here in studio. This is, uh, is this, this is our second uh, official podcast for the month of March. Is this our second official? Yes, and I wanted to uh, use this opportunity this uh, month of women's history to talk about a historical women's organization that has led to uh, a groundswell of what would you call it fandom for an old defunct (laughs) professional wrestling company known as glow Uh, glow people have been telling me about this i knew of glow i knew of glow when it took place and as somebody who is um, who consider themselves a professional wrestling fan, I knew of the existence of GLOW. Um, obviously, didn't watch it. I knew it was kind of silly, but I never... Um, it was always something that you knew existed, just like how you knew uh, Abraham Lincoln was the president. Of course. You don't know what his favorite soda was, but you know, you know, you knew the guy was there. So, um, then comes this Netflix series, which took like the world by storm. I don't understand. Like That thing grew overnight. Um, and it, it had a whole bunch of fans of popularity. And the thing was, everyone was telling me to watch this show, you included. Oh yeah. I, I personally love this show, but I was filled to the brim with comic book, uh, content to cover for this cast, for the website, etc. Um, the research that I do for this show every single week. Well, it just so happens that they just wrapped up a four issue miniseries comic called glow versus the baby face and not only did it just wrap up but it is written by aj mendez um formerly known as aj lee uh, a former divas champion um a, a tremendous star in world wrestling entertainment and married to cm punk uh which i thought like all of this coincidence just started to align so i finally was able to um Hunker down, and I finished the first two seasons. So this is going to be spoiler-filled for the first two seasons. And I don't mean spoiler-filled like we're just going to say every... <laughs> oh, no, literally you can't read this comic without the first two seasons being spoiled because when I looked up the year of um, the release of, especially the first, Glow, it was in, like, June of 2019, and that's yeah. when they just, like, wrapped up their second season and signed for a third one. Yeah. So you have three, basically three series that come out. After the second season, you have Glow, a regular four-issue miniseries. 
Um, then you have Glow versus the Babyface, but in between those two, you had like literally a summer special, almost like the old Marvel swimsuit kind of like a, a one shot. What what we call it in comics? One shot, like a, a story, a one shot story, one issue story. Um, that's pretty compact, but you know, you get something out of it. Um, so yeah, I I literally sat in the middle as these as my two fandoms crushed together with Glow in the middle of this weird Venn diagram. And I decided that the best way to talk and tackle this subject matter of the comic, um, I think the main I, the main event of this, <laughs> if we're using wrestling terms, is Glow versus the Babyface. That is the comic we'll be reviewing. But we cannot review that comic without reviewing the characters that are on Glow. And we can't review the characters that are on Glow uh, without going through some of the background of Glow and how these women found this company and and uh or at least the fictionalized versions of these women found the found the company and and went forward and uh you know created this organization so upfront glow is an american comedy drama the television show uh created by liz flahive i hope i'm saying that right and carly mench for netflix the yeah, series these are the ladies that um wrote like almost majority of the show uh, orange is the new black okay so that's, that's what they... you're seeing a lot of female um, creative teams between the show, both comics that we are reviewing today. I think are almost all female, if not all female. And that's why it seems so um, authentic. Like you watch you watch this show or you read this comic, and you're like, "Damn, this feels like women are writing for women." It doesn't feel like an out of touch guy writing how he thinks women talk and act. And I always, you know, I'm always a little bit touchy on this because I'm not, definitely not the subject matter expert when it comes to women. The same way uh, <laughs> a, a, a year or so I. ago, I wasn't the subject matter expert when we did our comic book click Black History Month episode. But I hope to shed a light. That's all that, you know, I don't purport to know everything. But in doing research, I, you know, you find out a bunch of stuff because, you know, even though the show is majority fictionalized, uh, this company existed. Um, it, mm-hmm. it existed in the 1980s. Uh, Glow standing for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. And it was founded by David McLean. Uh, he created the series while working as an announcer and a promoter with Indie, Indianapolis-based World Wrestling Association after seeing fans react to women's wrestling. Uh, the showrunner, Dick the Bruiser, an actual wrestler, the showrunner for Glow, uh, believed that Indian, in Indianapolis, or, or, uh, Indianapolis audiences, that's hard to say five times fast, uh, would not be receptive to a wrestling promotion featuring female wrestlers and dismissed the concept as unprofitable. But McLean didn't quit. He went to Hollywood, posted casting notices in the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, leading to over 500 women showing up for auditions at the Hyatt on Sunset. The first of auditions uh, was held at Gold's Gym and... Oh, yeah. And the, the, the dozen finalists selected trained for six weeks. That's a short amount of time. Six weeks for wrestling training? Yeah, it's about two and a half months. Um, at the Broadway Boxing Gym at 108th and Broadway in South Los Angeles neighborhood of Watts. McLean hired professional Mexican wrestler Mondo Guerrero to train them and later brought in veteran, uh, wrestling veteran Cynthia Peretti, professionally known as Princess Jasmine, to take over for Guerrero. Peretti also wrestled in the series as Pepper. And that's kind of cool off the bat, you know, Mondo Guerrero helping to train these women for this event or for this uh, company. And then we have Chavo Guerrero actually in the show. Yeah, that was um, that's actually pretty cool. And I think one of the episodes actually ends with a, a like rest in peace um, for Chavo Sr., who I think passed while they were making this show. 
That's that's that. What I love about this, I actually watched the the Glow documentary. I'm uh, hoping you did because I need some background on that. So yeah, I watched the Glow documentary, and apparently, the you know the first episode when um uh Sam comes out and he's like you know anybody that doesn't want to do this can just walk out right now, and yeah. like half the women walked out, and there was only like twelve left. Yeah. That actually happened in real life. I believe it. When these 500 women showed up for the auditions, the guy told them what they were going to be doing. That this isn't a TV show, like you know. But then he took like mo- he took models, swimsuit models, like yeah, all these women. kind of <laughs> just, just normal women, women with no experience except for maybe daytime television. Yeah. And he told them that the women that have been in front of a camera before in some kind of way, shape, or form. Basically, and told them, yeah, you're going to be wrestling. This is a wrestling program, and they like all left. There was like 12 women left, and that's hilarious to me that they actually got that. Like, of, of a show that's fictionalized version of a real promotion, yeah. to get, like, those kinds of little details correct, that I like. Yeah, um, one of the things that they do for the show, and I guess if you can tell me more as somebody who's seen the documentary, is they make the entirety of Glow's existence seem like an uphill battle. Is that something that happens in the documentary oh, as well? Oh, 100%. Like, they were all laughed at, because most of them, like, they're not real wrestlers. They're yeah. They're actresses and models, so, like, they're... They're taking the whole gimmick thing and they're using it as they're active. taking that to the to the tenth degree, whereas not necessarily the in ring stuff. Yes, so most of their matches are just were like ridiculous looking. Like like we were backyard wrestlers. We yeah. we know how how it is when two guys that don't actually know how to wrestle have a match together and how it it looks like we're just unprofessional and untrained. That's how they looked. Yeah, but their gimmicks were on point. That was the one thing that that was. They really definitely have great. the showmanship level of this. One hundred percent. Like I watched some of their promos, like um, not Mount Fuji, uh, that she's a big, big lady. I can't remember. Uh, uh Matilda the Hun. Matilda oh, yeah. the Hun's Matilda promo the Hun, skills yeah. is yeah. actually really good. Yeah. Like I can't lie. So I was, I was. It's funny because um, in the second season they show what purports to be an episode of the same show, but they got, um, they did their best. To create a parody episode of the real glow. Oh, but that's what the glow actually looked like. Glow. Right, that's what I'm saying. That uh, that I fa- I first I found it like the way that they made it. I thought it was just like made to look like that because because everything was low budget. But it, it kind of was low budget from the jump. Like when you um, they show a scene of one of the uh, female wrestlers doing a promo, and you hear a laugh track after it. And and then I watched the actual glow, and there's nope, those laugh tracks are there. Completely there. No, that's what I love. I actually I did like, watch oh, an episode wow, of Glow, right. and they do do that where it's like these little skits, and, and then jokes. it's like a five minute match, and yeah, and they tell jokes, star wipe, <laughs> and then you're just you're in the ring. Um, let's talk about some of these gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Let's though. talk about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling and the actresses behind them. Talk about a trifecta of uh, of Venn diagrams. I get to talk about Allison Brie on this podcast. I know, aren't you happy? Holy hell! There's there's not many reasons to talk about her uh, on a comic book podcast besides the fact that they say that she might be she yeah i was gonna say maybe she, maybe if she really is playing jennifer walters you get to talk about her again that'd be amazing but um my friend uh then the comic book man actually got me into community which uh you know multiplied my love for the one and only allison brie um incredibly talented actress and really trying her best here uh as ruth wilder aka zoya the destroyer modeled after colonel Ninochka? Ninochka. Colonel Ninochka. Ninochka. I saw this woman, and she looked very much like who Alison Brie uh, is trying to portray. But Ruth is a 
actress struggling to land a role on film or television. One day, she's given an invitation for an audition, which turns out to be for a fledgling women's wrestling promotion, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Ruth initially has personality conflicts with director Sam Sylvia due to her tendency to overact in the ring. Aside from her acting style, Sam often uh, questions her looks, (laughs) unsure whether or not he finds her attractive. Making matters worse is her affair with Mark Egan, the husband of her best friend Debbie. Because of this, she is known by the other women as a homewrecker. Her attempts at creating a quasi-villainous wrestling persona include characters called the homewrecker, Mint Julep, (laughs) uh, who's a bitchy southern debutante type, the the Antichrist, um, an evil person who gives out raisins to kids on Halloween, and after research at motel proprietor Gregory's family bris, Gettle? The unorthodox warrior. This was the one she did right before Zoya, basically. She finally creates the in-ring persona of Zoya the Destroyer, a Soviet heel based on the real glow wrestler, like I said, Colonel Nanuchka. Hey, if we're going to go by wrestling gimmicks, she's the best heel that that show has. Yes. She I mean, really is the best it's heel. It's a cartoonish, Red Scare, Russia's the bad guys character, but they had no characters. Um, I'm going to take a second to talk here about Ruth because... I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I, across all these mediums, she's been given this nickname of Pollyanna. And I had to look it up. I'm not going to lie. I that, that reference, I did not understand. And it turns out Pollyanna is the name of a character in a film who, no matter what is going on wrong in her life, she thinks positive mental attitude can beat it. So plagues, you lost your leg, <laughs> the, the old factory done shut down. I just... You know, put on a happy face. And they that's why Sam calls her that, because no matter what, she just thinks, oh, well, we'll just fix it. And there's nothing wrong with that attitude, but everyone in GLOW is painted with this level of cynicism and pessimism that she almost doesn't fit. She almost is dragging the promotion to succeed, despite the promotion not wanting to be drug. And I don't understand. I don't understand what it is. No, I don't think anyone... Besides maybe uh, Cherry, um, gets as into the into the acting portion of it. Yeah, but for for Cherry, it's not even about acting; it's the money. Yes, but I'm saying like I don't think anyone else really. I mean, everyone else puts on a voice and does their little thing, but I feel like the real heart of the acting part of all this lies on the shoulders of Ruth Wilder. Um, how do you feel about Ruth as a character? Oh, she's she's great. You know what this is. It's Allison Bree's giddiness in every shitty situation that just drives home the love, the level of love for that character. Okay, like she, she could, she got her, her. I think um, her, her car got died. Still was positive about it. Had uh, decided to give her brand new shoes to the ungrateful Melrose and wrestle in her old shoes. Was still positive. Forgot about that. Yo, that that scene pissed me off. I if beggars can't be choosers, man, you ain't getting my brand new wrestling shoes. Uh, I, I I forgot about that. And she straight up said, oh, "What what were you a waitress in Poland? Oh my god!" Like, she definitely didn't get the physicality part of it, but the acting part literally clicked to her. Honestly, when they started this entire show, I thought that her character was going to be the homewrecker. I thought, thought that, that was gonna would, be. I thought they were just gonna go. Oh, that totally works. Who likes a homewrecker? Yeah, but it takes one leg break to uh, for people to change the. It, it's legit the that heel face turn. The, yeah, the well, second... still a heel. It's what's the other one's name? Uh, the other sister is the good one. 
the baby. Oh face. my god! Yes, she I, even creates. She even creates a uh, a a good twin to her Zoya, the Destroyer character, which is hilarious. Um, but let's get to uh, let's rain on this parade. Oh, here we go. He hates this one. So Betty Glippin, oh, I'm pretty sure is a tremendous woman and a great actress. Please, uh, <laughs> Debbie, um. Uh, Debbie Egan, a.k.a. Liberty Bell, a.k.a. Lacey Evans. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut. Uh, So you either get it or you don't. But a former actress and Ruth's best friend, she's best known for her role as Laura Morgan on the soap opera Paradise Cove until she was fired due to her pregnancy. She got pregnant when she wasn't supposed to be. So they put her in a coma on the show. Then they killed her off. Uh, Or did she... Does she? No, she recovered and left. Right? What was it? I know. I think they, they put. Her? No, they they killed her off in that pro in that coma, because that's that's usually on TV. Any actor or actress that was on a soap opera, a daytime soap opera, they always die in a coma. Joey Tribbiani in um, uh, Friends. I think oh, yeah. he either died in a coma or he like fell down an elevator shaft. It happened in the Wayne's well, Brothers. Well, went back to his own planet. <laughs> so not everyone gets that end, but um. This that's the thing. So you know, she got written off because of her pregnancy. She wasn't really that big on there at at all. And then she uses that to leverage. She uses her her D level celebrity status to leverage herself as the star of Glow, become Glow's leading lady. Uh, mostly because she went and almost fought Ruth, and they were like, "Oh, we can buy, we can sell that. We can definitely sell two women fighting with this level of anger and stuff." Um, yeah, so origi- originally oblivious to the professional wrestling business, Debbie's mindset changes when she watches a local wrestling show and sees its similarities to soap opera before having a one-night stand with male wrestler Steel Horse. She later on realizes that wrestling is a liberating experience as her body is not constrained by Mark or her son Randy in the ring. God forbid the people who love you are anywhere near. <laughs> Debbie's in-ring persona is Liberty Bell, a patriotic Southern Bell based on the real glow wrestlers Americana and the Southern Bells, Scarlet and Tara. Easy gimmick. One yeah, but it's funny because she kind of looks in... like um, what Ivory? Like they have that yeah. same like well, debutante hair. After, uh, what was it, Tina Ferrari? Something yep, Ferrari? that's that's Tina Ivory. Ferrari? Yeah, Tina um, Ferrari. So it it's it's it probably the most um common gimmick in professional wrestling. The All-American. I mean, we even have it now with Lacey Evans, like you say. It, it comes around every so often because it's easy to be patriotic. I mean, didn't we have that with with uh, that act, that uh, wrestler Cherry that was on Deuce and Domino back in like 2008 uh, on was SmackDown? Like, she was like one of those old malt drinking. Yeah, the <laughs> like, let's go to the let's out. let's go to the get a soda pop. Let's all go to the lobby. But um, <laughs> Debbie is stressed. She has a kid, and she seems stressed. So I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna make us lose a lot of fans. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Let's do this, man. Debbie doesn't seem to enjoy being a mom. And I don't know if the show is just trying to show that it's not all glitz and glamour, which I completely understand that it's not. Um, But she... Am I missing something here? No, 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 no. I think the whole pregnancy came in so quick that she didn't expect to lose, in her eyes, her best opportunity. Yeah. And acting in Hollywood, being somebody, you know, like she... We don't know what she was like on Paradise Cove. We only get context from writing. Yeah. But if we were to just give her the benefit of the doubt for a second, who's to say that she wasn't like the leading star on that show? She had everything she wanted. Or, or tell you the truth, it doesn't even matter if any of that's true. 
whether or not she believed she was the leading star on that show. That's also you know true. If she believed that she could eventually get to the point of being, you know, in the opening credits or whatever the heck it is, um, then yeah, something. I like mean, this. she walked. She walked into Glow like, listen, I'm a producer. You know what? Now that you say all that, there might be a little bit of residual anger towards Mark because of that, because he just gets to go and live his life. She she said that too. Like nothing ever. She happened. said that in episode that you know he just gets to go on and act like he never cheated on me. Like our life isn't over. You know I have to be the one to do this every day. It's like, but how do you know that you're the only one to do it every day? Yeah. No one knows what. And you know how it is when you get cheated on. You don't necessarily want to sit in a in a drum circle. And be oh, one hundred percent. You ain't who singing kumbaya. Yeah. yeah. Who else has been cheated on in this moment? Um. So she's not perfect, and both of these women are friends, or at least they start off as friends. I think I want to say they end off as friends. Uh, I gotta see season three, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, but just hopefully things stay the way they're supposed to stay. So, Sindel Noel as Cherry Junk Chain Black Magic Bang, uh, Cherry Bang, is a former stunt woman who becomes Glow's head trainer. She previously previously worked in Sam's exploitation films in the 1970s and had a threesome with him and her husband. I forgot she said that. Prior Cocaine's to, a hell of a drug. Prior to Glow, Cherry had not worked with Sam since 1978, and she had been out of work since 1979 as the black exploitation subgenre went on a decline towards the 1980s. She oh, also, I love that line when she was auditioning, and she's like, uh, he, Sam's like, your movies kind of get a little thin after 1979. She's like, movies got a little, a little white, white after yeah, it's 1979. Yeah, yeah. They all got a little white. Um, so, oh yeah, she also suffered two miscarriages two years before... Suffered a miscarriage two years before jo- joining Glow. Um, Ch- Cherry's in-ring persona is initially Junk Chain, a female rapper. In season two, Cherry quits Glow for a starring role in KDTV's new female directed detective oh, series. Oh, that was season two that yeah. she left. Chambers and Gold. Yeah, and then you find out she struggles. can't actually act. Right. She's terrible. She struggles with remembering her lines in front of a camera, so... Uh, she also gets mad because they get a newbie in, and um, the newbie, Yolanda Rivas... Uh, takes her junction gimmick, but Cherry reinvents herself as Black Magic, a voodoo practitioner loosely bla- based on the real glow wrestler Big Bad Mama. See, this is what pissed me off, because you're sacrificing one evil for another evil, and, and even when she was about to lose the the cha- the match to um, oh my God, what did he say? It was it was a uh, junk chain black and Brown, junk chain like junk chain no tan. chiquita or uh, or something it was a spanish yeah, word uh, okay, okay. it was like a it was like junk chain spanish word insert right, right, spanish right. derogatory slang <laughs> but when the when the, her husband was like going to go pin her he's like yo is, are you really about to lose the match right now and she's like you think i want to be a, a rapper forever only to go to an even worse stereotype that all black people are voodoo witch doctors. Like you know, what's funny though. I feel like just like the uh, all American gimmick, the voodoo slash witchcraft gimmick works. It it is just. Like I mean, the it's the Coco gimmick. Beware. It's the the but, uh, boogeyman. Yeah, you know, uh, Papa Shango stuff. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it's kind of bad, but I. I don't think she's being laughed at. It's we. It's a weird kind of thing. It's almost like you rather be feared than be laughed at. Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel like people would fear uh, Black Magic more so than Welfare Queen, which we'll get to in a bit. Oh God, that act, that storyline actually broke my heart. I don't know if you got there in season. In, yeah. I don't know if it's oh, there. Uh, did there. you meet her son in season yeah. two? Yeah. Oh, so it is season yeah. two with that. Yo, that that actually we'll, broke we'll my there. heart. Yeah, we'll I'm not gonna lie. 
Uh, Brittany Young plays Carmen Machu Picchu Wade, a 25-year-old woman who is part of a professional wrestling family. Yeah, isn't it funny how, like, even in a show that's based on a wrestling faction from the 80s, there's still, like, references to Samoan families and the Samoan legacy in wrestling? The bigger wrestling families, wrestling dynasties, you know? Like, that's crazy how even in this show, there's a Samoan wrestling dynasty. Her, uh, her father, uh, wrestler Goliath Jackson... Disapproves of her desire to become a wrestler as he sees women's wrestling as a cheap sideshow. Whilst she has wrestling skills and helps Cherry train the other ladies, Carmen suffers from stage fright. Carmen's in-ring persona is Machu Picchu, a gentle Peruvian giant loosely based on the real glow wrestler Mount Fiji. Um, her brothers are played by Tyrus slash Brodus Clay and Carlito Caribbean Cool. Yeah, her father's just some really tall, scary know. dude. Yo, he's a him. he's a scary dude. Yeah, I don't recognize him. He's though. scary. And now it's time for your boy, Mark Marin, plays My man, Sam bro. Sylvia, a Sicilian American exploitation film director hired to direct Glow. He had directed eight films in the nineteen seventies and claims that two of them are taught in colleges. In addition, his film Gina the Machina was deemed so controversial that it was banned in forty nine states. See, this is this is what I don't get about T V and movies, why they do this, where they this they just Say that movies are banned in 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 North America or at least in the United States. That's yeah. impossible. A I movie like cannot a be banned in this country. We have freedom of speech. I always feel like it was like it's like one of those ground grindhouse films that you can only see them at certain theaters, like at certain. Sloppy. Yeah, but to be banned is like to like you can't even see, see them ba- in. Theater. I see banned as no no theater wants to pick it up. Even those small little indie theaters that show grindhouse films wouldn't pick up a film like Gina the Machina. But I also or you could only see what in Alaska. Like where would you? What state was the one? Who, see, that's the like I said. Texas. It never makes sense it's to Texas. me. I, or Florida. It's one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably Jersey, the worst. It could be Jersey. Um, Sonic Sam. Sam has a chronic drug and alcohol addiction that has led to one divorce and multiple affairs with other women. His habits continue in Glow when he has an affair with wrestler Rhonda Richardson. He often has conflicts with Glow's producer Sam, I mean Sebastian Bash Howard, over creative decisions of the promotion, with Sam going for a dystopian sci-fi theme and Bash incorporating colorful stereotypes. That was probably the one of the funniest episodes oh, ever. Like, you could be a an astronaut, and you be no, that. but he hands the, you're the, a terrorist. He say, he hands a mink coat to to welfare queen. And he says, "Oh, uh, welfare queen," and she's like, "Excuse me," he's like a like a black pimp or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh that's, my that's god! He also does the terrorist thing and gets Barut. Uh, oh man, know. that's so messed up. Um, Sam is loosely based on Mac Simber. What is he? Simber Keimer? Keimer? I would say Simber. Matt Simber, the director of the original Glow series, Sam develops a closer relationship with Ruth over the planning process. How do you feel about Sam as a man? He <laughs> As a man, how do I feel about him? I look at Sam as the drunk and surly Stan Lee. He looks almost exactly like those old pictures of Stan Lee that you <laughs> saw in like the 70s or the 80s. I have to look at Mike Kimber because I can almost guarantee he doesn't look that way, and I can almost guarantee that they just decided to go with Stanley, <laughs> Stanley uh, <laughs> likeness. He does a lot of drugs, um, and he has a unapologetic mouth. He is very straightforward, if, if for lack of a better word, um, he can be hostile in many cases. Oh, it gets worse in season uh, three. It get he he legit. He's just a man that doesn't care at that point. Well, and and. One of the things you can say, and you can even look at the comics to this, they, they even expound on this in the comics, is that this entire project kind of gets away from him. 
You know? Yeah. It's not there. He is not the sole vision. He's not the sole, you know, worker. He's not the sole anything. Because they were really looking for a yes man. And they picked the wrong person to look for a yes man. Yeah, he's trying to Tarantino it. He's exactly. Trying say, he's trying to say, oh, they got, they hired me for my vision. No, no, no. They needed a director. That's And That's you it. were the only director that we could have got for director. this amount of money. Like, yep. yeah. A director. That's it. Stop the drugs. Stop sleeping with the women. And can you get this thing out? And um, he, he is a saboteur. Of himself. I oh, one hundred percent. He he he's like an actual live action Bo uh, Bojack. Yeah. And it says like he just doesn't want to be happy, and any little bit of happiness that comes his way, he goes out of his way to like, to try and get rid of it. He has a daughter, and what does he do? He doesn't even fight to let her stay. He's like, well, she's your mother. It's your mother. Like because he doesn't want that change. He doesn't want that shock in his ritual. His his daily does rituals. Does she ever that. wrestle? Does she wrestle in season three? Justine? Yeah. No, never. Okay. Through the entire show, she's she. Uh, I think it's season two where he makes her like the secondary director or like a unit, like a yeah. second unit director. Yeah. That's her thing for. She's like an executive producer of the entire show. Uh, Britt Barron plays Justine Scab Biagi. I love Biagi. Straight up, I'd marry this girl. She's a seventeen-year-old punk rock girl who uses the in-ring name Scab, but she doesn't wrestle because we find out on the first day of auditions that she claims to be nineteen years old. She's a fan of Sam's exploitation films and has a romantic relationship with pizza boy Billy Awful. <laughs> Later in the series, Justine reveals herself to be Sam's illegitimate daughter as he had a one-night stand with her mother, Rosalie, after being kicked out of a Black Panther party rally in Sacramento nearly two Only decades Sam, ago. Only Sam Sylvia can, white as hell with a porn 70s porn stash, can be at a Black Panther party. Sorry for ruining your Black Panther party. <laughs> that's exactly what he said when he left. I'm telling you. I'm, maybe that's what they're referencing. Maybe. Is that, is oh, that something that happened? Maybe that's what they're referencing. Oh, my God. Feel my stomach. I'm telling you. I didn't mean to ruin your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Nash plays Rhonda Britannica Richardson. Rhonda Richardson, Kate, uh, Kate Nash, is a British model who takes the in-ring persona of Britannica, an uh, English genius inspired by the real Glow wrestlers Zelda the Brain and Godiva. Prior to joining Glow, she was homeless, living in oh, her car. I, l- I loved her introduction on that. Like, you actually see her living in her car. Yeah, living in her car and asking men for money in Santa Monica. Rhonda becomes romantically involved with Sam, but he becomes concerned when she makes their affair obvious in front of the other ladies. In season two, Rhonda adds a male store window mannequin named Thomas as part of her Britannica persona. That's actually not fair because I did that first. I'm not gonna lie. All right, I had a mannequin. I yes, actually, I went to I went to uh, Warriors of Wrestling, mm-hmm. a school that Taz went to, Matt Stryker went to, the Dudleys went to. I went under this character gimmick as Psycho Danny. I was just a crazy person. I was I was Dean Ambrose before any of you knew who Dean Ambrose was. I did it first, but when I was there, this one day, they wanted me to shoot a promo, a promotion promo for the up-and-coming show that they were going to put on their website, mm-hmm. and for some reason, the promo just wasn't working for them. It was I, I, I also didn't think it was working for me either, until somebody came up with the idea, they looked over, and they saw, you know those um, boxing mannequins? Cr- like it's crash, just, my, crash dummy? Those crash dummies that's just torso, but no arms and a head? The, it, the, one of the guys said, yo... You should use him in your promo. Use him as somebody that you're always fighting with. And I did it. 
just one day they recorded me walking through the gym. I bumped into a mannequin and I started yelling at him. And ever since then, my promos always had that boxing dummy mannequin. So for her to actually use a mannequin, it's just it's like if we're, we're humans are the same. Doesn't matter where you are, who you are, we're all gonna have the same I wanna, idea. I want to know if they did anything similar to this in Glow because um, you know you also got the um, uh, head, you know, um, Moppy, like weird, weird, um, weird prop <laughs> things for your wrestling. Um, but she, her story is actually like very. I mean, tragic. She's uh, she's in relentlessly optimistic. But just like, can just it like, be uh, tragic if she doesn't see it as tragic? That's what I'm saying. It's weird. It's weird for me to say that because she doesn't view it that way, and it's weird for someone to take someone else's trauma and expound importance onto it if they don't have that importance. Um, but you know, she is homeless. Um, they tell when she talks about everything, um, and she reveals that she doesn't have a social security number. They tell her, yeah, just go to the consulate and get a work visa. She tries to do that. Her request is denied, and she's marked as an illegal alien and marked for de- deportation. Oh, I remember. I thought they were going to write her off the show th- at that point. But then Carmen gets high and says that Rhonda should just marry her best, her biggest fan um, so she can get a green card. And right way up until the point where she goes to do so, Bash says, like, you don't want to marry this weirdo. Just marry me. And they get married. Which is why I'm actually glad that you finished season two before... Starting this because I don't. I think it was the summer special that there's a little side story with Bash and Rhonda watching a movie. Yeah, it was the summer special because they were watching a movie. That's when Bash gets a certain idea for something. So yeah. I'm glad you watched at least up to season three because there were certain storylines that wouldn't have made sense if you only watched season one. Yeah. Um, Gail Rankin plays Sheila, the she wolf, and is an asocial woman who wears heavy black eye makeup and has a savage personality. She claims to have an acute sense of smell and hearing, hence being a light sleeper. She also says that she is spiritually a wolf and has begun using her persona for at least five years. Sheila actually has blonde hair underneath her thick black wig but refuses to break kayfabe even in everyday life. Aside from wrestling, Sheila oversees audio production. Throughout the series, she becomes concerned about her new popularity upon seeing the dozens of fans dressed like her. Oh, that was season two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where she had the whole groupies, and it was even like a guy that they was like do in love. The comic too, and she goes and gives. Uh, she goes to give like a dog for a reward. She finds a dog. Yeah, and there's a bunch of uh, groupies behind her. She calls it the wolf pack. I feel like she's the most, not only the most complex character of all of these women, but she's also the most realistic of from modern days. She also barely complains. Oh, she complains. She doesn't complain at all. She's just like you know. She just does it. Like there's a, there's a lot of people who have additional emotional baggage but sheila seems like the type that now that she's away from wherever she was prior to being in glow she can be whoever she wants to be and it's that gender dysphoria that is prevalent in today's society with the lgbt community you know like she 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 identifies as a wolf yeah she's not a woman she she personally identifies as a wolf and that's even though it takes place in the 80s it speaks volumes for people today that pick up that pick up this show yeah because she that's something that she chooses to do every day she feels more uncomfortable in that skin than in her own or we even get a cold opening with her like doing the setup i think it was like in like season one like you see the her putting on the liner she has the blonde hair and bobby pins so she could put the wig on like she's a very complex character some of that stuff mixes in for me the season one season two stuff but yeah i think 
Um, I think that was season one. Yeah, it's been, honestly, I when I very first binged this show, I binged three seasons in like a week and a half, and this was all the way back, I would say the fall of last year, because I was still happy, so I know, but um, yeah, man, she's a, gr- she's a, I feel like she was uh, the only person that was telling Ruth how it was, besides Sam, she was the only one of the female wrestlers that was either, even if it was cold and heartless, she was still telling Ruth how it goes. Yeah. And she's also the first one to expound upon the living the gimmick mantra. This yeah. idea that the character that you're playing in the ring is not some weird character stereotype that you've created, but yourself turned up to 11. That was that was my gimmick in backyard wrestling. Was, and they say that majority of the successful ones are that. Are, they stem from somewhere real. It's just myself. Me, but I'm saying on the other side of that is there's no part of Zoya that's... Ruth. Oh no, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's completely. She just got drunk at a bris one time, and she's like, "I just want to give you people a better villain than Boris and Natasha." Or is it nice to have been meeting you or something? Not nice to meeting you. Nice Nice to meeting you. Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about a problematic gimmick. Oh, here we. I love. I can't believe who this is. Kia Stevens, aka Awesome Kong, aka Amazing Kong, aka Karma, plays Tammy. And she's the wife of Tammy. I think it's Tammy. Okay, see the accent mark on the on these letters sometimes always bug me because I know if it's like if it's the accent mark is pointing like left to right, it's like Italian and French. But if it's pointing this way, it's like Spanish. So I think it's uh, Tammy. Okay. Uh, Tammy Dawson, the welfare queen. She's a heavyset black woman who takes on the in-ring persona of the welfare queen, an arrogant wrestler who flaunts her wealth from America's welfare policies and preys on the impoverished. But if she doesn't really do the gimmick justice, though, maybe that's just because of Awesome Kong actually has wrestling like ability. Right. Yeah. But she, when she sat in the ring and she was like flaunting the I mean, money I, and I, eating I, the McDonald's, I was more entertained by her in this show than I have been on her with her on the mic in wrestling. <laughs> right. So I don't, I don't right. Think. Yeah. Um. I so. It's weird because I think what you're talking about as far as her talent ends up becoming a the detriment. I think that what you saw is her going full on with the gimmick. That's what made it entertaining was that she always had something to say. Always had something like, to say. I about bought her this money. at Walmart yeah. with my food stamps. Yeah, my and so there was always something to say. Great. It, so it made her entertaining, but her willingness to go so low. Low brow. Yeah, it is low brow for her pe- for that community. It creates yeah. a creates a bit of a of a problem, and so um, we know that before working with Glow, she worked as an extra in several TV shows such as Knots Landing and Give Me a Break, and as an audience coordinator in some game shows such as Family Feud. That's how I found out that no one sits in on a show unless they're paid something or given something. Uh, that's what she said. In season two, uh, Tame plays. I'm gonna say it like Murray. Plays Ernest a visit uh, for Parents Weekend. When Ernest, her son, hears that she is in GLOW, he goes with her to L.A. to attend the next taping where she defends the GLOW crown against Debbie. Tamei loses to Debbie and is further humiliated when Debbie gives her an apron and a broom, causing her to walk out of the ring in disgust while the crowd boos Debbie. I laugh, not because of the situation. No, I cried because, because of what happened to her. But because I feel like that is cutting it short. She says... We can finally give Welfare Queen a job because I found her a starter position in a local fast food restaurant. Then gives her 
the broomstick and the thing and creates a chant called get a job <laughs> at the welfare queen an educated but woman but it's so funny as a heel she educated... was over that was the whole thing about welfare queen she was getting the cheers and Debbie didn't like that like she's supposed to be the heel why is she well, getting well she all... got booze I think the loud booze come we see that as cheers yeah she got ovation but she was getting booed she was cause they were always setting up Debbie to be the be all end all um the, Charlotte Flair lookalike. Oh. The the issue here though is, is is an issue that we've seen many times before. You know the the wild Samoans pretended to not speak English and they pretended to eat raw fish. You know, um, Yokozuna is a Samoan man. <laughs> you know, like that's that's he's part of the Samoan wrestling family, but because he looks slightly Oriental, the, he gets the Japanese. And he's game. a little bit big, so they made him a sumo. Muhammad Hassan, one of the most uh, recent of uh, of these stereotypical gimmicks of a man, a Muslim man who's trying to fight back against all those who slighted his people post 9-11, was played by an Italian dude. So it's like, it gets really hairy when it comes to this. Some races don't mind playing the exact story stereotype of others because it, it's not mine. What, what the hell does it matter? But it takes a certain kind of person to not really care about the stereotypes of your own race. Yeah, no. And like, say, oh, I'm totally down. Like, if that. I was in wrestling and, and Vince McMahon said, oh, you're Greek? Okay, we want you coming out every week with a goat. And I want you to kiss Yogurt. that goat. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh, don't forget, uh, Zeus is your personal hero. And you're, you're, I'm going to dress you like Alexander the Great. And I'd be like, come on, man. I'm more, I'm more than just... A Greek god. I mean, I'm not more than just a Greek god, but I'm more than just a Greek god. Right. She wasn't being. She wasn't being presented as an ebony goddess. She but can you imagine losing in front of your queen. kid? Having to. It's not just the fact that she lost the title in front of her son, his first viewing of her job, but she lost the title while having to degrade her own community. But the thing is, those de- those degradations. Am I saying that right? Would have happened regardless of whether or not her son was there. And I'm assuming that if her son wasn't there, she'd be fine with no, it. No, but that's that, but that's the thing is, even if she lost, if she lost that match without her son there, yeah, she wouldn't have felt embarrassed, stormed off, cried I mean, a little bit. Would still done the same broomstick, but she would have enjoyed it. She would have liked right. it. It would have been something for the gimmicks, but she, she felt never embarrassed. Once thought about how it would have made her look it, to it, other people, to people that she cared about, because she was always. And a lot of the women were doing this in secret. A lot of the women were doing this, you know. And oh they, yeah, you that's right. Really tell who they were. When they became these personas, um, and so it was easy for her to 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 disappear into welfare queen, but ultimately um, it becomes problematic. Uh, later, she talks to Ernest, who admits that he found the portrayal offensive, but the sight of his mother resting amusing and Tammy is able to make peace with her son watching Glow. Um, it, it, you were right in saying that she's one of the most popular. Stars of the show? No, uh, as far as like the fan that we're seeing fans of, yeah, she's we doll, over. We see merchandise in both the show and in the comic. That we do. Um, yeah. She is the person who leaves the very first event with the crown on. Um, she was the Glow's first champion. Yeah, she's she. Bam. She, yeah, she. While Zoya is petitioned as the company's main antagonist, Welfare Queen actually was, and she comes out in a lazy boy. So it's 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 hilarious, but it's also very very lowbrow. And it's also very real in a sense. Yeah. Sometimes it, like it hits where it's and, like, damn, this happens. Is, you you got to understand what you're trying to elicit. With a character like Welfare Queen, you want people in the crowd to go, I hate that woman because she is used, she's like all those others. 
right? She's like all those other black people using welfare to her advantage when she doesn't need it. And when you're creating that sort of thing, I, I said this the other day, when the Velveteen Dream first debuted on um, with the character in NXT, I remember saying they have to be very careful with this because if he is overtly like touching other wrestlers, like touching them uncomfortably and then and that's where he gets his heat from, you start playing some very something very dangerous. Yeah, that's then you start then, realizing people are homophobic in a right, sense because of then they start to boo him because he's gay, not because he's a bad guy, and they start to boo him because he because does he's gay getting things. uncomfortable. You're getting and uncom- then you yeah. blanket the entire community as the kind to do those kind of things. Ugh, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You have to be very careful with these with, with every character that you that you do. Unless- that's why I don't like racially. Stereotypical characters. It's I'm not a fan it, of Jinder Mahal because but you, it, we don't need if that. Prided, if it's prided, right? Like if you are Mexican and you decide you want to be a Mexican superhero for your game, I have no issue with that. Well, but it guys be, like Rey Mysterio it be, are. It should be what you, somebody who's in the culture, thinks of as a Mexican hero. It shouldn't be what some old white guy thinks as a Mexican hero. Like he, oh well, I saw Zorro, so that's what you're gonna be, right? That's what you're thinking. It's like that, you know. Kind of mix it up. Once you use, yeah, but once once you start making races gimmicks, you're just further putting fuel to the fire of stereotype. What's what's the difference between a, a wrestling gim a wrestling racial gimmick and a stereotype? Nothing. Well, then another thing is, you know, it also people people have their own lines in the sand. Some people will say, "I took the I took the stereotypical gimmick because if without the stereotypical gimmick, they're not even opening the door for me," you know. So now with my foot in, I can do the stereotypical gimmick and then just get over in general and then just break, Okay, so for example, why is it that I didn't know Roman Reigns was Samoan until I had to actually be told he's Samoan? He didn't come in with the Machu Picchu type. So he, the thing is... The, I, look at the Usos versus the Romans. Uh, the Romans. Look at Roman versus the Usos on both their debuts. Or even look at Roman versus The Rock on both their debuts. I was the same thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I But the, they realized with The Rock that, that was the wrong thing to do to start him off all... Like pine tree and coconut, like they they they. He legit shift. had blue pants yeah, and shift, like they shifted from that. Um, I think like Vin Diesel, most companies hope to have a of ethnically, uh, what's it called? Not diverse. Um, like almost an uncertainty <laughs> to their main guys. Like you couldn't tell me where Vin Diesel's one hundred percent from. You know, same no, thing I don't with even Rock. know. Same thing with his the last Rock. name's Diesel, if that's even his real name. For most people who don't follow wrestling, they don't know the Rock is half Samoan, so he just seems vaguely ethnic, you know. Um, and I think that's what they wanted with Roman Reigns. They wanted somebody that anyone could be like, "Oh, I got a cousin that looks like that," as opposed to being like, "Oh, he's for the Samoans." Like he's the Samoan. I guess star. if you look at Roman Reigns from like a, a quick glance, he probably pass off as like Puerto Rican, and Dominican. Like that dude from uh, uh, Metallica. The... <laughs> oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh... Nah, uh, f- I know that was happening to me. Cliff too. Burton. There you go. Cliff Burton. Um, Jackie Ton is Melanie. That's my little boo. Uh, Yo, you no gotta stop. No, no, you, you have Allison said- Brie. You have Allison Brie. Stop. All right, but then you called uh, what's her face? Uh, 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 Justine. So you need to relax. Okay, no, but no, but see, the thing is, Justine is the kind of woman that you have to realize you need to settle down. You need to stop being an asshole and just. Marry her. That and piece be- of guy didn't do none of that. But Melrose, Melrose almost left the country. <laughs> Listen, Melrose is the kind of girl that I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna want in the back of that limo she drives. See, but you and Melrose on the, in the same page is y'all both on the same side of the scale. 
You know we really are. So yeah. I need to be on the other side of that scale. <laughs> teach her to value herself. Oh, so you're on the same side of the scale as Allison Bree. So that means I can yeah. go after uh, the other end of the scale. See how we go this? I don't like any of that. We don't like any <laughs> of that. Melanie Melrose Rosen. I like that they came up with Melrose from Melanie Rosen. Melrose, Melanie Rosen. See, I, when I first watched this show, when and she said my nickname is Melrose, the first thing that popped into my head was the British TV show Melrose Place. Oh, I was thinking of, uh, is that British or not British? I thought it was British. No, no, that's here. Is it here? Mm-hmm. Then what am I thinking of? But that's what it is. Melrose is in... Los Angeles, Los Angeles. I think, yeah. I was going to say Beverly Hills, but I don't think it's true. Uh, yeah, but she's a party girl and a chauffeur who worked as an extra in several films and music videos. She's highly sexual and is initially at odds with Cherry Bang, who sees through her as an attention-starved Jewish-American princess who never had a real job. Mel Rose introduces herself as Melanie Rose, even though her real name is Rosen. She drives a limousine. Her parents pay for her health insurance, and her in-ring personality is based on real glow wrestler Hollywood. you the boy. Dude, I swear to God, this man could be like, if you throw Dave Franco and Zac Efron in a blender, you get Bash Howard. He also has a little bit of Mr. Peanut Butter in him, too. He does. He's so eccentric. So, uh, Bash is, is like the, 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 what do they call it? The, the bankroller of this entire He bankrolls everything, yeah. He's the financial guy. So, he's the heir to the Howard Foods business empire. And oh, the so he's a Pierce. Yeah. He's an heir that's just well, going to do whatever Bert, he wants with his mom. money. His mom, like, shut him down, like, froze his assets. It's a whole thing. Uh, but, yeah, he provides the ladies with an old boxing gym for them to train and the Dusty Spur Motel to sleep in. Bash also coordinates with the KDTV, uh, you know, uh, broadcasting channel for broadcasting rights and Patio Town for sponsorship. However, oh, Patio's Furniture, whatever. I remember that shit. How, that's, how, that's the first episode you get Zoya in. However, he is in a bind when his mother, Birdie, freezes his assets after having spent over $600,000 on Glow. Bash is loosely based on Glow creator David McLean and his dealings with financier slash owner Meshulam Reckless. (laughs) In season two, Bash has the boxing gym converted to the official Glow arena, but is once again strapped for cash due to Birdie funding him on a bi-monthly basis. Because of this, his butler, Florian, walks out on him due to a balance check. I don't like the entire Florian storyline. Really? Unless, unless, unless it is to be revealed in season three that Bash is gay. And if Bash is gay in season three, then that makes all of this worthwhile. But as somebody who's just up to the end of season two, it makes absolutely oh, no, no sense. Oh, no, he said that Florian ha- he's known Florian since third grade. But that's it's also his, his oldest friend. But it's also his butler. You don't make your oldest friend your butler. I, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't. I don't. You don't. Alfred? You don't. Alfred is that, not Batman's oldest friend? In the sense that he would... I heard him... I've no, I've loved you since I've heard your cries down the Echo hallway. Echo through these hallways. Yeah, oldest in the sense that before he can talk, he knew him. Okay, but you know, also, you don't know how Flor... What if Florian was the one that wanted to do it? No. What if, what, I do not believe What if that. Florian truly wanted to be like his his confidant in a sense? It's a, it's right up there with like, oh yeah, I'll be my girlfriend's manager. It's right up there with that. Yeah. It's right up with that. Like, this is you're just Oh, so now we're taking shots at Mar- uh, Maria's husband? I'm just saying in general um that it's just not it's just not you don't do that. Um but yeah, I, I, they put a lot of stock in this Florian thing, and I did not get it. 
Well, when he when uh, spoiler alert, when uh Florian kicks the bucket, yes, it really does differences to ha- to Bash. He gets more angry. He's like more loose cannon, but he's also like sadder, more complex. The Florian, all the Florian thing does is make Bash, who doesn't have a lot of brains, think, "Oh snap! Oh snap! I need somebody in my life," and then he gets Franz. Because he lost Lori. Which I'm not going to front. is a really good uh, relationship. Yeah. I really do like Rhonda and well, Bash together. they're both a bit air-heady. And so they they allow the air, the passage, to go through. Where I, I, where I feel like Rhonda would say something and Sam would snap. That's you know 100% saying? true. Sometimes you need the allowance to let your dumb thoughts, no matter how dumb they be, permeate. Let them go. Let them out. Be with somebody who's going to understand you for your dumb moments as well as your other moments. Um, but yes... Bash marries Rhonda. Uh, we'll go past the these women real quick. Dawn and Stacy are um, the hairstylists who pull practical jokes on other glow women. Their first in ring personas are Ethel and Edna Rosenblatt, the beat down biddies. I do not understand what that's about, uh, but uh, it's a geriatric tag team based on the real life glow wrestlers, the Housewives, Arlene and Phyllis. I gotta beat ya. Well, beat ya good. It's terrible. In the first. Sh- in Glow's first show, Dawn and Stacy are put in a bind when they are scheduled to face Cherry and Tammy as two black women beating up two elderly white women looks bad on all sides. As a compromise, the beat-down biddies wear Coot Cuts clan outfits. Somewhat oh, no, they, they got tricked into that. They got tricked into that. That was so messed up. Somewhat inspired by original Glow characters, the Hicks, Sarah and Mabel. So I'm assuming that they were Coot Cuts clan members of Glow, the original Glow too? Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. Aside from wrestling, Dawn and Stacy oversee the wrestlers' hair and makeup. In season two, Dawn and Stacy evolved their characters into the Toxic Twins, Nuke and Ozone, based on the Housewives' other persona, the Heavy Metal Sisters, Chainsaw and Spike. I love this, like very, uh, very like um, what's the word faithful. I'm looking for? Yeah, faithful. Very, very faithful. faithful adaptation to these characters. I like the season two storyline of a wrestler taking another wrestler's gimmick, um, before it makes. Hollywood, well, basically. don't say don't say what you're gonna do in front of uh, people. Uh, and that's the problem that Sunita Mani as Arthi Prem Kumar made, because little Arthi was given the gimmick Barut the Mad Bomber, a Middle Eastern terrorist based on the real glow wrestler Palestina. Oh, I feel so bad because their first show, she legit got like a slushy or whatever, so, but thrown at her. And, and that's what I'm trying to say is that. The feelings that you felt for Tammy in that moment have have to happen in real life, right? Yeah. Like when Tajiri gets beat by Kurt Angle, you saying Tajiri doesn't have his family in the front row, and everyone's not going beat that Asian guy's ass. You understand? USA. You like? Oh, why is my why are they why is my father playing an evil you know foreign yada yada? So I think that this happens a million times. We just got to see it and the heartbreak. Up close, but you also get situations like this where, um, during her match with Rhonda in Glow's pilot episode, Arthi's gimmick is met with extreme hostility from some male fans who spit at her and yell racist insults at her. They, you know, that they were yelling at Kari Sane Pearl Harbor. What? Yeah. They were yelling at poor Kyrie yeah, Sane, little, the master little, of the skies. Little Kari Sane. Uh, was getting Pearl Harbor chance. I think EO was getting some some ridiculous chance as well. So not EO. So it happens, man. It happens. People, people. Some are racist already, people in the crowd, man. People are ridiculous. You want them to 
bring kind of racist to rev up your heat, but you should just not do racist gimmicks. No, but that's the thing is get the, get get heat other ways. You could be a bad person and get heat. You can be, get heat for being a bad person, but to say that because you're a certain race or color, you are a bad person. Is a difference, and it says more about the fans that that like these are closeted racists that are literally throwing beer and chanting. Well, you gotta imagine this is six fifty years ago, about fifty years flat ago. What for in the eighties? Yeah, about forty. Because seventy, because my parents are born in seventy one, they're gonna be fifty. Forty years ago, um, and I, you gotta believe people were talking more reckless ten years ago. People were talking reckless five years ago. So you go forty years, I yeah, I I totally yeah. No, I um, can I can I can see it. It's just, but you just mentioned in twenty nine, probably twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, people are chanting Pearl Harbor. Yeah. To Asian female wrestlers. Yeah. This isn't forty years ago. This is a year ago. This is a it's mo- bad enough that the women wrestlers get disrespected as is, but when they try to uh, rise above that and try to bring some physicality in and then they get chance like Listen, that. Listen, I'll straight up say these women matches are way better than these men matches. The first women's Royal Rumble beat every Royal Rumble I've ever seen. I watched Elimination Chamber. That women's match was way better than the tag team match. Yeah. So, like, they need to get the respect. Yeah. And it starts with companies like this. You know, Arthi, um, she shows concern about, like, her gimmick and so she plans to kill off her gimmick and introduce a new persona, uh, the Phoenix. But those girls listen to her and... They stole it! Uh, she also slowly becomes attracted to newcomer Yolanda Revis, who comes in. She's a stripper, Mexican-American lesbian stripper. Yeah, I like how you scary. say attracted to newcomer because you're not there yet in season three, I don't think. No, but I, I assume that they were a couple at the end of season two because they decide to move in together or they decide to... There's a lot there. There's and one that, episode when you I really saw have that, I thought that that's what you were talking about. I thought that that relationship was the one that was going to be portrayed in the comics. That you were afraid for me to be... Scared. No, that is... that That is. It's Yolanda and... Um, but what do those two do? They don't do anything in the comics. Well, no, it's that uh, Glow versus the Babyface, their whole little B-plot, like yeah. where like Yolanda's like stalking her oh, ex. Oh, but that doesn't seem romantic. That just seems like a homegirl... Yeah, but that's that. also... A, that's also take it, it, adds, as, a cr- take it, it as a crush. Yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah, a crush yeah. on you, so I see you with your ex. I'm going to yell at your ex for you because I like you. That makes a lot of sense. But you can see why I see it the other way as well. Like, I, I know. Way. I can see the platonicness of it. But it was just immediately when I saw that those two were getting their own panels together, I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, wait. Read it. Watch the show first. Don't do it. Because, yeah, now you see... Because you're writing, attracted to Yolanda... And you get more of that in season three. These last three girls are incredibly talented, but uh, pretty short shrift as far as characters are concerned. Shakira Barrera, like I said, plays Yolanda Revis. Uh, she is known as Yo-Yo, Mexican-American lesbian stripper who replaces Cherry in the role of Junk Chain. Despite having no background, she excels in her dancing skills, especially breakdancing. When Cherry returns, Yolanda defeats her to keep the Junk Chain gimmick. Ellen Wong plays Jenny Che, a Cambodian-American woman who takes in their in-ring persona of Fortune Cookie. Which is another full circle because we've covered Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and Ellen Wong is Knives Chow. Is he? You didn't know that? No, I didn't know. Ellen Wong is Knives Chow, my friend. No, from Damn, from Huntress uh, with Birds of Prey. Now we got uh, Knives with um, with this. That's crazy. Yeah. Aside from wrestling, Jenny oversees the wrestlers' costumes. Mariana Pauk, as Reggie Walsh, is an Olympic medalist. She is originally given the name Liberty Bell. <laughs> uh, but because she lacks a personality, they give it to Debbie, and they give her the name Vicky the Viking. 
And she is loosely based on the real girl wrestler, Broomhilda. Listen, man. This is Shayna Baszler without all the fighting. This is a female Kurt Angle. Like... Oh, Yo. she's an actual, yeah. No, she's, she's an, an actual Olympic gold. That killed me when they were doing the promos, and then De- uh, Debbie comes in, she's like, I'm Liberty Bell. And then you see Reggie in the corner, like, supposed to be Liberty Bell. <laughs> yes. like, those are actually my medals. I actually won Olympics. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, no, that's, I, that, that, that's my name, and those are my but, medals. Yeah, <laughs> those are my medals. I was like, ah, oh, this is ridiculous. Um... Yeah, are you ready to get into some comics? Oh, we finished covering the girls. Finished covering the girls. I tried to do that as fast as possible, and I still clocked in at an hour. Well, I mean, the thing is, the, the these women are the very complex. Com- and that's the majority of the meat of the comics, is knowing these women as Oh, that, that was saying. what, that's why I specifically asked you to read, uh, to watch the show before you read. Even though I knew you were going to do it anyways, I just wanted to make sure that you at least got a season of understanding these women's personalities to because re- th- like you said this is our first time we're not reading a uh, we're not watching a show based on a comic we're reading a comic based on a show yes. based on a wrestling faction from right. 40 years so ago in the same way that we would watch a movie and and read the comic for homework yeah is the other way we, yeah you had to watch the, the season I had to watch the show for homework to give me context it's, for the comic it's so i'm so Cra- you only do that here. Uh, the major issues I'm <laughs> cracking up because, guys, I've been trying to get... Because I know he loves Allison Brie. I got him onto Community, and he's just been vocal about his love for Allison Brie. So I tried getting him on Glow for Allison Brie alone. And then it turns out old GT decides to tell us that there's a comic book. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You keep mentioning uh, Franco, and she's with Franco. What are you doing, bro? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't mean to be mentioning uh, old Mr. Dave Franco, but... You know how it goes. But I'm definitely ready to talk about these comics because these comics are actually pretty good. All right. So I'll start with my comic because uh, we split them up. We both read both, yep. but we split them up. I know. And... You read. You also read the third one, the yes. summer special. Yeah. Um, so I'll go first because the first uh, comic to be released, first series of comics about this show was Glow 1 through 4. It was written by Teeny Howard uh, with art by Hannah Templer. And uh, Rebecca Not- Notley as a colorist, and like I said, it's it's, prim- it's primarily a female staff team. It's a, it's an Which amazing. I'm great. Thing. I'm grateful about that because like, yo, we could do more of these now. It doesn't miss a beat. You don't read it like, where are all the men? You know, like none of that happens. Um, so, but let me set the stage here for you guys. Sam volunteers the Ladies of Glow for an appearance at a wrestling convention called WrestleFest on their one free weekend because some of their advertisers have backed out. The ladies seem ready even though they are a bit hesitant. Carmen, aka Machu Picchu, is extremely nervous because uh, growing up in a wrestling family, she has a bit of shame for the kind of wrestling that Glow does, which is a, is less athletic and more showy. Um, I found that that to be kind of interesting. You know, there's a, a, a inherent fear going on with Carmen that she might that her family might see her wrestle at this WrestleFest event. But um, what do you, where do you sit on that whole, like, why do you think Carmen is so iffy about being caught doing this glow thing? Well, it's like you said, her father is very, like, um, she, her father doesn't want her wrestling. He doesn't, he doesn't see any attraction to the female wrestling aspect. And also, I, I mean, I'm personally not a father, but if I was, and I know the family and the, the sport that I'm into, yeah, 
I wouldn't want my daughter doing that. It has nothing to do with, you know, she's a girl. It's just, I just don't want to see my own baby girl get hurt. Yeah. And, you know, I see my son get, I, certain gender it's, stereotypes. You see how that, but no, yeah. but, but cer- she says it. She says it. She goes, she says, I don't understand, you know, my brothers do it, you know, and, you know. I mean, it's, there's certain gender stereotypes that you can't keep doing to this day. Some of them is very, like, you know, like, uh, archaic and misogynist. But I don't know. I If my son was to break his thumb, I'd be like, all right, cool, you broke your thumb. Now you know what it feels like. Uh, let's go to the hospital and reset it. If my daughter was to break her thumb, dude, I'm, I'm going to be in tears. I'm, I'm just going to be – I'm just going to be in tears. Yeah. It's just how it goes. But you got to get the next Shayna Baszler. You got to get the next Ronda Rousey. You got to get the next, right? That's the only way you get them is by them working hard and, and working just as rough as the guys do. Um, Ruth. Yeah, if you need the any references, I got all nine of them right there for you. Awesome, awesome. Um, Ruth sees WrestleFest as a challenge for the women, because she does, always. Uh, Pollyanna. Um, as a challenge for the women to step up their game and head to Reseda, but not before raising money for their hotel stay. Oh, I'm not going to front. Uh, after reading all four of these issues of Glow, not Glow versus Babyface, but Glow, this, even though uh, AJ Lee and all that wrote the other one, this kind of felt like a real episode, kind episode of, of the show. Like, like all the, not the characteristics in a sense, but like the motivations were there. In all, like, Carmen not wanting to be caught by her family, Ruth yeah, being overzealous. Not in, a, not in, a, not in a, a really, really bad way, but that babyface character in feels more like a comic book character. Oh, 100%. Than a... Because they never did anything like that in the show. They never they never touched on the fact and of it, what it, they're doing to little that, kids. And also, that child is incredibly precarious. <laughs> very. Incredibly very. Precarious. Yeah, man. Whoa. So it's like, if that character showed up on television, it would feel like... When they add a family member on the random sitcom. Oh, like when they brought uh, Michael J. Fox into like Family Ties or whatever, or whatever that uh, show is. Cousin Oliver onto uh, the Brady Bunch. Yep. It, it gets weird. Uh, Ruth and Debbie put on a performance in the park to raise money. Sheila collects a reward for finding a lost dog, and Melrose bakes pot brownies. <laughs> yes, that's right. Once they make it to WrestleFest, Sam finds out that the booker accidentally booked two all-girl wrestling promotions, but only has one spot. Instead of forfeiting the venue and the revenue, Sam volunteered the women to face the other women in the second promotion. This puts them on the path of the star primas, a more physically physicality driven set of veteran female wrestlers who pride technique over storytelling. It should be noted that Tammy is healing from a dentist appointment visit and is highly medicated, meaning she will not be performing. Oh yeah, she, she doesn't because, wrestle all weekend. Yeah, I say that because you know Machu Picchu doesn't want to wrestle. I think Machu Picchu and Tammy could have took out all the star primas. Oh, 100%. But like, they had to set up a situation in which Ruth was the <laughs> was the, the most... Yeah, but you know what? But this also goes back to what I was saying earlier, that Tammy is the most famous of the Glow Girls, because even though she's not wrestling, and she's hopped up on painkillers, and merch, yeah. she was killing the merch stand. Yeah, the so second she walked through the back, oh my God, Welfare Queen, I love you, Welfare Queen, Welfare Queen. I'm like, yo, this is awesome. This yeah. is great. And like I said, they showed her setting those things um, on the show. They showed a commercial for her her welfare queen dolls. That's oh my god, that's right. Wow, this book was really faithful. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, okay, so the primas immediately dismissed the ladies as cheap soap opera actresses, 
although Root does her best to uh, try to get on their good side. The Star Primas are mostly afraid that the Glowcast will give women's wrestling a bad name, which is already sort of maligned in the sport anyway. The Glow... The Glow... Uh, oh, the Primas give Glow the cold shoulder during practice, and the girls head to their motel to feed the dream. I'm not going to lie. As someone that's wrestled in like the indies and wrestling school, that's real shit. Well, not only that, wrestling is an oddly territorial business. So damn territorial. Yes, it's an incredibly territorial business, especially when you consider that you're sell- you're selling something that somebody else could be also selling, and you're going around the same circuits that they are. So you, there's a lot of people who get territorial and are like, no, I, you know, I'm the only one to do this on the East Coast, or I'm, you know, I'm the best, you know, I I don't lose to this or all that kind of stuff. People feel that way. Real example, real example. All right, so. There was a rest. There was a ref in W O W, or that um. Whenever he would do a two count, he would literally make horns. Like you see, most wrestlers that uh, most refs when they go the two count, they literally put the two like they go two. Yeah, yeah. This guy, he would he wouldn't put it up in the air. He would point and he would go two. Okay. Just like this. Right. Now, style. one of my friends who didn't know that that was his style, he had to play ref. In like a, a scrimmage match uh, during our training, and he did that. He he put his hands up in the air like a normal ref on TV, but he did the horns like two. That referee saw that and he screamed, "Hey, make it regular. Those are that's my move. That's what a referee said. That's my thing. That's my move." Because he yeah. went. Two and he's like, nope, don't do that. They're independent contractors, and like I said, they're selling their own. They're selling their own characters, so people get very, very uh, testy when you when you uh, in, impede on their. I know. I'm, listen, I'm not there. I I was very territorial myself in wrestling. Like, all right, I did a devil lock DDT. I've been doing a devil lock DDT for for years. It's just, you put them in a regular DDT, but you take their arm and you put them behind their back. Hammerlock. Hammer in a hammerlock style. I've been doing that since 2014. No, sorry, that's 20 I, like 2012. That's what Andrade does now. And somebody in in TCW decided to do that one day, and I flipped out. I'm like, no, sir. For six years, not one person has done that specific DDT. Everybody does falling DDTs and rising DDTs and and um that uh snap DDTs. Everybody does that. Nobody ever put the hand behind the back. I did that. And then all of a sudden, everybody and their mother wants to do that move. Okay, sir. Okay. It's terrible. It's it's, and I don't even mean to feel territorial about it, but it's like you know I understand in a wrestler's point of view, if you're the only person for more than a year doing a specific move in your move set, that even the fans can tell, he's about to do this, he's about to do this, and then somebody else does it. It's like yo, you just you just want to be cool like me. How do you feel about them benching Jenny? That was so wrong. They decided Jenny is not going to wrestle for fear of her being injured. We'll get to her. More she was later, the she was the smallest one there. That's yeah. what. Yeah, and cool. she also did the costumes, so they they didn't want it. Yeah, but you know, in the show, she offered to do those costumes. I think that was like her job. She was like a stylist or something like that. Or yeah, so she offered to do those costumes. But so. she also like she'll still do them. But like, you know, like if you break both her hands, you can't make any costumes. That is also true. Carmen is instructed to run the merch stand, and she meets Desdemona, 
a retired star prima who takes a liking to her and trains her in the more physical style. They become fast friends because Desdemona is from a wrestling family as well, and all seems good until Desdemona tries to introduce Carmen to her star prima friends. Ruth gets told off by Anesthesia, the star prima's leader, when she tries to organize a shared practice in the early morning for the next day. Just as the two get into each other's faces, the toxic twins... Okay, this is where I got confused. They look like they knocked them down, knocked them out. It's the last page of the second of the second uh, of the second issue. I want to say, but basically, no, that's they... third, and it's tap, not swipe. Yeah, but that's the third one. So that's two in the corner. Oh, it did say two in the corner. That's me in the corner. Oh, because I had the summer special on the same page. Okay. We were losing my religion. Uh, so they go and meet at a bar, and they get knocked over. Oh, yeah, the Toxic Twins come and just, like, she sees the shouting match, and they're just like, ah, we're just gonna knock you out. But then issue three just starts off with them all at a party. There's no pickup. So I don't know if they were, like, physically assaulted, and they were like, I'll get you guys back. Or they were like, oh, my bad. No, okay, I think I think it was brought up that was but, like, yo, your, your girl started with us, you know, like, you know, keep them on in line. Because uh, Anastasia called anesthesia. out. Anesthesia. Decided to say, you know, Ruth's your leader. Yeah, yeah, because um, the next, the two sides make up and party later that night, but Ruth still wakes up early enough uh, for the dual practice she organized, but no one shows up. Unfortunately, uh, well, later on, initially in the initial time, no one shows up. Hour later, no one shows up. Unfortunately, the only one to eventually show up is Anesthesia. They butt heads, but ultimately work together, although Anesthesia thinks Ruth is the coach for the gorgeous, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Ruth doesn't correct her, and the two practice as usual. I mean, she directed their first live show in the show. She came up with the first character costume. She she came up with their first um, commercial promo in the mall. She's been doing everything. Yeah, Yeah, so it's like, yo. Um, Yeah, so. You're at Elsewhere, Desmina. Oh yeah, elsewhere there's Desdemona and Carmen Tesmina, talk, uh, talk about WrestleFest and Carmen confesses that she doesn't want her family to see her wrestle. Because Desdemona is retired, she decides that if Carmen can impress her in a dark match, she can wear her mask so as not to be identified in the ring. Oh, that's not, I'm not going to lie. I actually did that before. Not not for the mask thing, but all right. So it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. I get hit up by Abe and he says, yo, these two dudes want to join TCW. Can you meet them and have their tryout matches? Like, train them and let me know how you feel about it. So I was like, all right. I wrestled this first dude who went under the name. I, th- I think his name was JM. It was JM because those were his initials. Terrible. He was absolutely terrible. I took him. I put him in. I hit him with a suplex. I said, I'm going to hit you with a suplex. I'm going to put you in a submission. And I did what they did to me. And I put that man in a real Boston Crab for real. And he tapped out in seconds. And then the other kid who you know, Johnny Nelson, he impressed the shit out of me to the point where I let him beat me. I literally said, do your finisher on me and pin me. Because you you impressed the hell out of me. Right. So And that's that's a real thing that actually ends up... I feel like if I've done it, other people have, have to have done it. There's no way that I'm special enough that I'm doing these... Try out matches and then let them win. Well, you win, hear these like, stories of veterans, you know, seeing something in younger talent and trying all to do their the best time, to, yeah, yeah. Try to do their best to make sure that that talent gets realized. It's like a patching, passing of the torch thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and the, the, the Carmen is initially like real 
bugged out about like, well, it's a lucha mask. Like, should I be wearing it? And she's like, don't worry, I'm retired. You ain't got nothing to worry about. No, but I also heard, I I think they mentioned it in the comics, in this comic. But I think it is a real thing that like if a luchador, like an established luchador, like Rey Mysterio, for example, gives you his mask to wear, it's like a real respect feel. thing. Yeah, like hundred percent. Uh, yes. So where are we at? Uh, both when promotions, both promotions, yeah. When both promotions meet up to talk the, the uh talk over the match card. It seems that Ruth has agreed with Anesthesia in thinking that Glow should lose every single match to the much better Star Prima. I'm not going to front. If we're going to go by, like, storytelling-wise, that makes sense. Yeah. That does make sense. I'm not going to front. But, but, but so this is what I've always said about, like, the versus thing. Marvel versus DC. Um, Freddy versus Jason. Any kind of versus situation. Godzilla versus King Kong. It does not make sense. If 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 the if the properties are owned by two different people, it doesn't make sense for either one of them to take the knee. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. If I'm running Marvel, you're running DC, and you decide, you know what, we should finally put a movie together, and then um, you're like, and then then Iron Man destroys Superman. I'm like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, uh, that that was that's why we got that um stand for Alien versus Predator and Freddy versus Jason. We got a stalemate ending. Yeah. We legit always, got always, a stalemate ending. Batman versus Superman, they fight Doomsday. It's always going to be that way. Because why lesson one? <laughs> when you can have them both it's at, not a, even, at a level. But for here, it's not about lessening one. And it's more no, it's about... it's totally about lessening one. I've, I feel like... <laughs> you know how they always say all publicity is good publicity and bad publicity is good publicity and all yeah. that stuff? So, alright. But I feel like you say that when you have no choice. Because you've already been given bad publicity. <laughs> so you got to turn... make. <laughs> the le- lemonade, you know, because yeah. you already got the lemon. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, they signed up for this to be publicity straight up. Is this, is this, um, the, what was it, Um, bad publicity is, all publicity is good publicity, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But I do think that this would be bad publicity. Because I think people would choose, if they do to choose to decide to watch women's wrestling, they would choose to decide to watch the Star Primas. Yeah, yeah, that would be like if, you know, <laughs> AEW versus NXT and all the no, NXT BW, wrestlers. BWE versus TCW, people hate Yardy. Yeah. But all BW guys are winning. Damn, no we're, one will watch TCW. We're setting an example. We're saying that... We're you, the ones you, you should watch. This, yeah, but, but we're the ones... watch one of us... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch the ones that are the best. Yeah, and, and so, the worst part... Of, now that I'm thinking about it, the worst part about it is... The Star Primas didn't have to pay their own expenses. No. The fucking Glow Girls no. had to pay their own expenses. Nope. So that's pretty messed and up. And they didn't really show up to practice. They didn't really do any of that stuff. The girls <laughs> are busting their ass. All right. I know we passed it, but the what killed me was in issue one when Sam was like, all right, listen, we're going to go to Vegas, but you got to pay your own hotel. You got to yeah, pay yeah. your own this and this and that. And um, Yolanda was like... This is so unfair. And Sam goes, you know, in the amount of in the amount of time that you were telling me all of this, you could have gotten, gotten three lap dances and got seventy five dollars. And she and, and her quote was dot dot dot. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they use that. It's her stomping her foot, and they use that that image a lot in the in the um like the letters columns and stuff like that. Also, what I love about this specific glow one, yeah. I felt like Sam and Ruth's relationship was exactly taken from the show. Like, where she's like, 
I'm going to go check Sam's office for the calendar. And Debbie's like, oh, you're going to break in? He's like, listen. And key. she's like, I got the key. If you forgot, he gave it to me. That's not my fault. And then the next panel is Sam's like, oh, I'm glad well, you got. Yeah, yeah. But he, he like pushes her back. He's like, one, he's holding her. And then he pushes her back into the crowd. And I'm like, damn. That Before would be they, like something in the show. Before they even load the car, he pulls out the envelope for the for the money, and he's like, "All right, who got their who's got their dues?" Because <laughs> he's not taking everybody, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, the this angers the ladies of Glow, especially the fact that Ruth is going around saying she's the coach. They walk out on Ruth. Ruth talks to Sam, who gives her wise words regarding what she owes in this life and who she owes it to. This inspires her to walk back into the gym knowing Glow could teach the Star Primas a thing or two, and vice versa. There are some conflicts over wardrobe the following day, and after feeling slighted by Sam, Jenny decides that she's going to mimic a thumbtack spot she saw earlier so she can prove her toughness. Dude, that was such a scare. I'm not going to front. I know it's a comic book and these people don't actually exist, but as someone that's taken thumbtack bumps... That shit scared me because she, but she wasn't taking thumbtacks in the spot of a match. She was literally throwing herself on thumbtacks to impress people. I'm like, my God, bro, but at least McFoley had a purpose to it. She's legit like, oh, you guys aren't going to take me seriously. Watch me take a back bump from the top rope on thumbtacks. Holy God. They they got they get all the women on one page, you know, and they all start to work together, and the show is seemingly going fine. But when suddenly no one, when suddenly no one, can, eh, sorry, going fine when no one, uh, when when no one can minute? find Carmen, <laughs> no one can find Carmen. Everything was going fine, but no one could find Carmen. Out of nowhere, Jenny, who isn't booked, shows up and does her dumb tag spot, going from fortune cookie to bad luck biscuit. She takes. I feel like that's like those little like um. Non continuities for yeah. specifically yeah, comics because yeah. she ain't no bad biscuit. Well, I, I double checked in the other comics to see if she changed it, but uh, she takes the bump, thunderous applause, and just as her up, oh wait, thunderous applause, and just as the bout is set to be forfeited because Carmen's absent, she shows up in a lucha mask. When they lock, when they lock up, her opponent tells her her family isn't even there, and takes Carmen's mask off. Carmen fights back and manages to win her match. Leaving the main event for last. Yeah, isn't that that was the only match that was won for the for Glow was Carmen. Yeah. And if we're gonna go by like um uh scientifically <laughs> let's go scientifically for a second, it kinda makes sense. Every girl of Glow is an actor or a failed actress or a model or homeless. Carmen's the only one with a wrestling background. Yeah. So if we're gonna give Glow one win of the night, it would be the one that comes from a wrestling dynasty. Makes sense. She wrote, they Roman Reigns there, and or, you know or, it. Or like I said, it would have been Tammy too. But I honestly think Tammy should have probably won her match. But that's just me. She didn't wrestle. Oh, that's right. She had uh, the the wisdom tooth taken out. Yes. So uh, Ruth versus Anesthesia is the last match. Tensions rise as the ladies enter the ring, but before long, the entire event is cut short because they went overtime. <laughs> oh yeah. The star primas give the ladies of Glow a bit of confidence boosting by congratulating them on getting better. They also leave them a box of memories like Desdemona's mask, Slim Jim's thumbtacks, and several Polaroids as a keepsake. The end. Oh no! They didn't. Con- they didn't just congratulate them. They gave them the most backhanded compliment in my booked, entire they life. They also kind of booked them for a show in six months. Oh no! That's right. That, yeah. Or like Wrestling Palooza. Yeah. Yeah. But no, they were like, "Listen, we still don't think you guys are like on par with us, but you weren't 
that bad that we thought you were. That's still a backhanded compliment to me. Like, it's like, I didn't think you were this bad. And oh, I thought you were bad, but you weren't that bad. So you did okay. Like, get out of here. Those Star Primas were a little... I mean, I guess if you're going to look at the... If you're going to break down, like, words, it kind of makes sense that the Star Primas would be the bad guys of this comic because, you know, like... Prima Donnas. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. If someone's a Prima Donna, it's like a stigma towards them. Yeah. But how did you think of reading your first Glow comic after watching Glow for the first time? I dug it. I dug Sam's voice in it. Uh, I liked that there was not really a central character. For the most part, you follow Ruth. And you do follow Ruth through this. But the B-plots of, you know, making the pop brownies and uh, Jenny trying to, you know, strike it out on her own. No, but that's was good. That's the show. Best parts of best parts of all comics. Little to no uh uh Liberty Bell. <laughs> Little to no Liberty Bell throughout throughout. So it's like this is the best. This is the best part. This is like concentrated glow. There was no Liberty Bell that much here. She, she had like a there, few lines. Very, she gets told off. That's so like, right. You're the, you're the one from that soap opera, or whatever. <laughs> they they tell her off. Uh, so I'm totally down with that. Oh, man. You want to go into Glow vs. Babyface? Or do uh, you want to go into uh, Summer Special first? Uh, I'm going to go into Summer Special first, because I feel like that's that, that that could be something that we can talk about quick. Okay, go ahead. All right, so the book opens up with Dawn, Stacy, Debbie, and Ruth practicing their tag team match as the Toxic Twins and, you know, the Zoya and uh, Liberty Bell. Yes. When Justine walks in, and everyone literally... They stop their wrestling and ask her, hey, Justine, how was your day at school? And she says, yeah, it takes it took them two and a half hours to tell me why nothing matters because they were watching um some sort of a nuclear bomb type uh, instructional video because it yes. takes place in the 80s. So it's the Cold War instructional video, like one of those history. Is it was it was like a history yeah, video. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I remember because Ruth said she the, watched it in her time. I think what she's watching. If I'm, I could be completely wrong, but I think what she's watching is the effects of the atomic bomb. Yes, yes, that's yeah, right. Which was old, you know. Because we're part. Because right now they're taking. This is during the uh, Cold War for them. This is eighties, yeah. Yeah, this is the Cold War. So about thirty years ago, they, they did that. <laughs> Wasn't that long ago? Uh, then Rhonda approaches Bash to about their about their movie night. He's like, "Oh, I'm you know I'm ready for the whole cinema and." I guess it was uh, during that time, that's when, uh, back at Bash's place, while watching a movie with Rhonda, Bash gets an idea for a steel dome around the ring called the Glow Dome, which is basically a hell in a cell. He was all about the Glow Dome, and but it was like terrible construction. Oh, it was, they did it in like 20 hours or something like that? apart as they were wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, um, that night for the Glow event, Justina decides to have a class trip. Yeah. And take all of her uh, students to a glow match. Everyone who's all depressed about that atomic bomb. Yeah, because they needed something to clean, cleanse their palate in a sense. Yeah. The tag team match begins as as become. Oh, sorry, the tag team match becomes one big political statement with the all American Liberty Bell and one of the toxic twins, I think Nuke, versus Zoya the Destroyer and the other toxic twin. Who I would have to see what her yeah. name. Yeah, uh, I think her name was Ozone. Yeah. It was Ozone and Zoya versus Nuke and Liberty Bell. Bell. Which really was one big political statement because you had, they both had bombs. you have Amer- yeah. but it was also what you told me off air. It's like yeah. it's an American and a toxicity with a Russian and a toxicity yeah. during the pinnacle of the Cold War. Yeah, they both are armed. They both have their their weapons of mass destruction, each toxic twin. 
in some moments, they were winning the crowd. Like, you know, like you see some guys like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And these were students of Justina's school. And in other moments, they're like, okay, this is uh, getting boring. They were losing the crowd. Yeah. The match ends when Liberty Bell and Zoya decide to team up and double drop kick the atomic, the, the toxic twins. Peace on Earth. And they got rid of all the nuclear arms. And then you get a nice glitter bomb to end the main event. <laughs> they kept asking when they were, they were trying to find the best part of the show to throw the glitter bomb in. I'm glad they did it. No, the, honestly, I feel like they threw the glitter bomb perfectly right at that moment where uh, America and Russia decided to take down toxicness together. <laughs> I mean, it was a pretty relatively short book, like 23 pages. Like, So there's really not much to talk about other than most of the that's in the book is the wrestling between... Uh, the girls, like you got a couple of pages of the wrestling, but mostly it was um Justina. You you got like this real char- deep dive character study of Justina, in a sense. Like uh, she's a student, you know that she like and how affected she is. Like she oh, seems 100%. to be somebody that that, that is disaffected, like, like yes. any other teenager. But she was really affected by what she saw in that thing, which is very not like her. Oh, but she it shows you yeah the depth she. She pretends to not care about her father, but she obviously does. She pretends to not care about what other people think about her, but she obviously does with the boy. And now with this. So we see that she does have a humongous heart, but I don't know. Uh, she she likes to hide it. She definitely likes to hide it. Definitely. Are we baby-facing it up now? And then um, as uh, well, the book's end. Basically, the book ends with Sam being totally disassociated and like, hey, you want to... Want to go get Chinese? I, I can go for Chinese. Balls, the glow dome legit collapses <laughs> as Sam is telling his daughter, hey, you want to get Chinese? I can go up for some Chinese. Yeah, so the girls are able to... So I wanted to take a second while you get ready for the girl versus baby face just to state that there seems to be a, 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 a overarching narrative in the majority of these stories, which has to do with representation. Oh, no, 100%, uh, and that's why I'm glad it's written by women and illustrated by women because who knows... Who knows oppression more than a woman or a black woman and so it's like you have a situation where um like you said they're already maligned right they're already this is already Mm -hmm. uh the girl women are not really seen as being equal to men uh in in this state and stature and they're not even seen as being equal to other women that are in that exact same profession and so we find that there's power in representation right and what but what happens when you have power Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And great power. Comes great responsibility. And thus, with their ability to then represent women, they now have the responsibility to represent them the right way. To represent them classfully. To represent them... Uh, and, and same way with Tammy, right? Yes. Tammy has the power to represent a black woman on television. Black wrestling woman. A black wrestling headliner. Not just television. Tammy, but Cherry. Oh, yeah. Cherry saying, and Tammy saying, both look have... How they look at their resp- respective responsibilities one is the welfare queen the other is the voodoo witch doctor from africa you know it's like that's what but it's also you gotta remember who is in charge of these shows and if you the white man out of touch and odds are if they didn't play those roles they wouldn't be on the show and then there's no black people on the show there you go in a weird position of deciding which is and then you would have to say that the the surrogate black woman on the show would end up being barut and yolanda because they're the most um, minority of them. Right, and people would probably jump to those conclusions anyway, which is a whole other It's thing. so sad. Yeah. Let's get into Glow versus the Babyface, because out of all three of these books, this is my favorite. Even though Glow felt like a real episode, Glow versus the Babyface is what I read first, 
So it's like coming off of watching three seasons of Glow and then reading a comic book based on that show, I had all the characteristics, all the personalities there. So, ladies and gentlemen, the book opens up with Machu Picchu versus Black Magic with little Elizabeth watching in the front row. We have the nice representation again, right? Once again with the representation. Got the little girl girl out there looking at other women do things that they've probably never done before. Um, And both women are minorities. They're not white. And to say that, you know, this book was written by the tag team, like I said, women, two tag team women, uh, Amy Garcia and um, AJ Mendez. And illustrated by uh, Hannah Templer. Yep, with, um, damn it. Catherine noted did the uh, yes. variant covers. I love her variant covers. Bro, she, I love her. She shouted us out on Twitter. She did shout. Yo, yeah, she retweeted she us retweeted, on Twitter. She retweeted us on Twitter. So, Catherine, I hope you're listening to this. I hope you're listening to awesome. this, Catherine. But I also decided to, like, you know, tag Allison Bree a couple of times to let her know, hey, just well, in gonna, case you forget, we covered your show. We're going to signal boost uh, for this. Oh, we, we definitely we are. Yeah. But the next day, we're in, we're in the gym. And during training, Sam and Bash inform the girls that they're being profiled for the weekly news because it turns out a fight broke out in an elementary school and one of the kids decided to use wrestling moves. Uh, it's it's uh, said that he body slammed another kid off of the monkey bars. <laughs> Way to go, kid. So to, uh, so to avoid any mishaps, Sam and Bash decide to help the girls work on their promos. Now, this is what I love about this book. Because this is the first time, and even in the show, besides having to come up with your own gimmicks, this was the first time that these girls got to work on promos. Yeah. Most of the show is wrestling and character studies. And oh, girl loves the promo. Uh, oh, you Ruth already. Roof loves the promos. Roof loves the promos. Oh, but let's talk a little bit about what you were talking about. Um, um, this is something that happens in actual wrestling. There's been actual court cases brought up. Uh, um, you know, trying to bring several wrestlers to trial for. Doing dangerous moves on television. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, we. This has happened before. Yeah, so this is right. Like, I mean, George, we're backyard wrestlers. We literally, we literally break the number one world rule that WWE puts in front of every single pay per view. Don't try this at home, and we I, did it in our backyard. I uh, break most rules. I, you're you're a daredevil. That's <laughs> yeah, what you are. That's why you know. All right, Ben Affleck. I see you. Oh dear. Charlie Cox. <laughs> I, I see get, you. I almost started singing "Bring Me to Life." <laughs> All right, all right. So, after the whole mishap and Sam and Bash wanting to work on a promos, they decided to break out a little video of guys like Randy Macho Man Savage and all that. During the the little video promos, you hear a laughter or some sort of noise from under the ring, and it turns out little Elizabeth gets herself caught and she's been living under the under their ring for like days. Yeah, it's and, a few days for her. And so initially, it makes it look like she's a super fan. No, but she still is, in a sense, a super fan. Yeah, but she's also a super fan with a broken home, which yeah. we'll get to. Because they all find out she's been staying there for a bit. I also think that this story probably means a lot to AJ Mendez. Do you think as so? A, as a woman who wrestles, as a woman who wrestled. And probably looked at other women. No, didn't she say that while she was actually a wrestler? Didn't she make she a promo told, where she was like looking up? She was to also re- told during NXT that she, um, she doesn't look attractive enough for anyone to want to see her. Yo, I thank God you brought that up because I'm about to go on a goddamn rant for a second. Who, 
Who in their right mind looked at the gorgeous masterpiece that is AJ Lee Mendez and said, you are not sexy, no one will sleep with you? Who said? But this is the kind of stuff that women in this, you know. But she came out with the Converse and the booty shorts and the crop top. This is is what they, but they they also also went through a bunch of different hairstyles. I hate CM Punk for this because I I want her. Why does CM Punk get her? They had a bunch of different, she also did a bunch of different looks as far as hair, makeup. Because it's hard in this business, man. They're literally trying to sell women as props and. Unless well, that's you know. why you get the Diva Star search and all that crap. It's like, yo, well, did you ever watch the actual they Diva Star models. search? They got well. Those they literally go out into the ring in bras and panties. Well, uh, well on Fire and Desire are both from uh, the last Diva search. Mandy and Sonya Deville. Are from, oh, that's from Tough Enough. Sorry, they're from Tough Enough. But I'm saying, like, they're not going out there and really finding these women wrestlers for the most part. They're trying to make them, and that's they're finding harder. models to make into wrestlers, not re- not wrestlers they can make into models. Yeah. And you know what? Straight up, sh- I will say straight up, Sonya, girls like, not Sonya, but um, Shayna Baszler, I will take a Shayna Baszler Rhea Ripley over a Kelly Kelly Michelle McCool. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. That's just me. And I can't believe someone really said that about AJ Lee. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's just really, <laughs> like who, I can't get over that. I can't get over it. Now you're making me remember that. All right, so... So yeah, Sam can't have this little girl staying in her staying in his uh, gym Not while all that cocaine laying around. Well, besides the cocaine laying around, they're on the they're about to get a little profile on the weekly news. Oh yes. So Carmen offers to take her to get food. Uh, they begin to bond over uh, burgers and being bullied, as Carmen tells her, "Hey, I was once bullied by a woman named um." Heather uh, Gillian, I want to say her name was. I think it was. I think, uh, oh, yeah, from like, like I think it's a Miss Hel- Heather Gillian. Yeah. But here we go with. I, I don't want to say boring, but I guess I didn't care. <laughs> the backstory stuff. The the side story with uh, Yo Yo and Arth uh, Arthy. The only reason why I say that it just was boring for me is because it's like everything that they needed to say for those two was said in three seasons of the show. So reading a comic. That goes before season three. It's just like, damn, are we all the way? Are we all the way back here? Like, right. are we going backwards? Have we, right? Have we? Yeah. For me, it was going backwards. For anybody that read this before they watched the show, like you, you read this before. Uh, you watched? No, you watched it exactly. You watched the show before you read this, so it would seem like a going backwards. Anybody that read this before watching the show, it would be like, oh, that's awesome. I get assuming, more. I'm assuming that might be a, a a a carrot dangled for the female audience. Maybe there is. Maybe maybe that's the thing, you know. Maybe that's the thing they can relate to, you know. No, but I, I, stalking. The it's not. It's my fault, know, honestly, but... because if I would have watched the first two seasons of Glow and then pick up Glow versus the Babyface and then watch a season three of Glow, I wouldn't feel like okay, we're back here again. I would feel like oh, we're touching on right this on <laughs> in a different medium, exactly. But for binging the entire sh- current show and then reading this, it's like oh, damn. We're literally before everything in season three happens. Yeah. So, yeah, I really didn't care about the whole hanging out with each other, but it was kind of cool to watch Arthur, uh, Arthi do her thing. Yeah. And, like, she's majority portrayed as a shy character on the show, and she... Oh, like, 100%. She kind of got out of her show with um, Yo-Yo. So let me go back at the gym, and the girls discover that 
and that not only is Debbie's outfit stolen, which Ruth, poor Ruth, decides to make from scratch again. Yeah, she's back there stabbing herself with all these kind of... Music. Yo, she shows up with... In one, covered in blood. But no, one of the panels, she shows up and she has like a a, a hand cast. Oh my God. No, yeah. but then she comes, she's like, don't go in there, it's a massacre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like like issue three, yeah. Uh, but um, bits and pieces, besides Debbie's outfit, bits and pieces of everyone's stuff. Not just their gimmick outfit, but everyone's stuff starts missing. Yep. Mysteriously going missing. We cut to Carmen, who is attempting to bring Elizabeth back to school, but it turns out to be a futile effort when she starts a fight, who, uh, which brings the attention of the principal, who happens to be Carmen's bully bum, bum, bum. that she mentioned in the diner to little old Elizabeth. Yep. And that ends, starts a whole school fight. Little Elizabeth throws her shoe at the principal. She but co- this entire time, we're being taught that this little girl is innocent and everything is befalling on her. But the instant- No, this is the first time you see that she's actually not innocent. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. What, yeah. Up until this point, Carmen thinks she's defending somebody. And then they, as soon as the little girl gets a whiff of somebody she doesn't like, she becomes a little terrible. No, but that's when you get the dialogue that it turns out that the person that she told Carmen is bullying her it's just a he's standing it's up, a boy. It's just a little boy, and he's himself. standing up yeah. for himself. That's yeah. it. She's bullying him because when we get to the to the schoolyard, he says something, and then she insults him right off the bat. And for context, for me personally, I have to look at the oh, you're not a bully. Hey, you're you're not being bullied. You're the bully that's tired of someone standing up for themselves. So now you're gonna use that as a gaslighting tool to say you're bullied. Yeah. Which ultimately brings Carmen back to her actual bully, Miss Heather Gillian. Or that, yeah. that really is your name, madam. After a whole fight on the schoolyard, Carmen decides to bring Elizabeth back to Glow because they needed to lay low for a while. Yes. When they get back there, it turns out a little Elizabeth has been stealing all of the female wrestlers' stuff and selling them to creepy fans. Yep. And then when Sam confronts her, Elizabeth, little old Elizabeth, decides to blackmail Sam and the rest of Glow because she knows that they have a profile study or interview, whatever, with the news. She's also quite. She's also quite um articulate. Yeah, for a little girl, she is pretty quite articulate. So now we have issue two. Picking up where we left off, we have Sam and Beth in a shouting match with each other until Sam makes her cry when he decides to threaten her with the authority. Justina, my baby, just so happens to walk in, mad at her dad for forgetting to pick her up from school, as she states, again. Which, Jesus, knowing the show, that kind of makes sense as yeah. far as Mark Maron's character is concerned. Tell me, after watching two seasons he of the show, he, he wouldn't... I don't want any kids around or something like that. He yells something like, he's like, not you, Justine. I'm talking about the other kid. No, he's like, yeah, I don't want kids in this gym. Not you. I'm talking about the other stuff. I'm not so- live my life without any kids or something like that. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're <laughs> right. He said, he <laughs> says, I didn't plan for my life to have a kid ruining it. I didn't mean you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, man. So uh, after the whole shouting match, uh, Sam, uh, Sam and Justine decide to take Little old Elizabeth back to her mother's, which turns out they live in a nice hotel. Now, th- for me, after watching this, uh, not watching, after reading reading this specific issue, 
the first thing that popped into my head as far as movie references go is the Florida Project. Now, if anybody hasn't seen the Florida Project, you have to watch it. Anybody that has seen it, you know what I'm talking about with this mother-daughter relationship. It's so Florida Project. It's actually on Amazon Prime, and if you, I know you have it's, it. So. I've seen Brie in it. No, so you're not going to be interested, hmm. you little pervert, you. But look, look, hold on. I found... Matt Simber. I don't know why he's making that woman touch him like that. Okay, you can't tell me. Add a mustache to him. Add a mustache. No, but that's not. That's not. You can continue. No, I'm not going to. I just wanted to show you. I'm not going to lie. When when Sam Sylvia was first introduced to me, you know who I thought he was a parody of? What? Ed Wood. Okay. I'm not. The man that made Forbidden Planet or uh, Planet Nine from Outer Space, one of those movies. Like, he specifically made Exploitation. (laughs) <laughs> is that Stanley? Yeah. That's, That's Stanley. Stan Lee. Yeah. Stan Lee. That's what I'm talking about, man. He's basically Stanley. Like it says, Mark Maron needs to play Stanley in the biopic of of. Oh, look at it. Oh my! Oh. That's Stanley. Yeah, that's, Yo. That's Stanley on the left. That's him there. But as I said, Are you like, sure that's not the same exact photo? You know, and that that photo, I remember because I I put that up when he passed away. You did you did put that photo up when he passed away. Uh, oh my God, Mark Marin needs to stop playing but games. That's I said. They, they didn't model him after Matt Simber. I just looked at the guy. It looked nothing like him. He modeled that. I just Stan we Lee. just looked at it together. It's he looks Stan nothing Lee. like I don't him. Know why? Oh my I don't know why God. Saucy Stanley, but now that's wait, hold on, but did you? Remember that picture you posted you during Stanley's death? I was here with Roger, and I was like, Roger, I don't know why, but I keep getting like this drunken Stanley vibe from Mark Maron's character. And I was just, saying, I just thought like maybe everyone in the eighties looked that way. But well, no, everyone in the eighties did look that, that way in a that's, sense. That's a bit. No, but that's on. Mark. That's too on the nose. That's, yeah. that's too that's on, on the, the nose. Stanley. When it comes all back to comics, yeah. yeah oh my God, I'm still only on issue yeah, two. I think. Picking up, uh, yeah, picking up where we're. Uh, so this Sam and Justine decide to take Beth back to her mother, and I'm not, I'm li- I'm not gonna lie, I was so lazy. To, I don't care about the mother character. Okay. So I was so lazy. You don't know her name. I didn't look up to remember her name, and I know the casting call is on each issue, and I actually went back to the casting call to get some names that I forgot. Or some you names that I don't. Call her mermaid know. lady because she was. That's her. Name. I call her Beth mother. Beth's mother. That's that's it. Sign so. So they decide to take her back to Beth's mother, which they find out is she is an uncaring, uncaring and neglectful mother. She's just at the poolside flirting and drinking mimosas. Yeah, because at this point, her daughter's been gone for like days. But she didn't know she was gone for two days. That's the thing. It's like, That's oh, the there you yeah, are. Like, the point. She was like, I've been gone for two days. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. We cut back to the glow gym where the news reporter, I don't think they mentioned her a name of this news reporter. And I'm really pissed off. Because I actually tried to look up the news reporter's name. And I don't think they mentioned what her name was. But we cut back. And the news reporter decides to stop at the glow gym for some pre-interviews. Causing Bash to freak out. And having the good old Liberty Bell and Welfare Queen try and calm the poor guy down. Mm-hmm. The girls didn't make it any better when they yelled, cursed, and... Uh, Sheila was caught napping under the ring during the time that the news lady decided to come in and take a scout of the place. Yeah, she kind of eviscerates them. They were not ready 
she showed up basically, you know, um, for pre, what they call it? Pre- pre-interview. No, but she showed up hours early for a pre-interview. But they didn't even know they were going to have him at all. Exactly. So you yeah. have Melrose coming out, cursing people out. You have, um, I can't remember, I think it was Jenny was, curse, uh, yelling. was cursing, yelling. Everyone was cursing and yelling. Mess. And then Sheila opens the apron of the ring. And she's like, hey guys, I'm trying to nap under here. What are you doing? Oh yeah. my God. Talk about the worst timing ever. Yeah, they were trying to get them like all like saying the exact right thing that they have to when this lady shows up. Um, and they were caught a day short. They caught, uh, you know, um, they got the rug pulled out from underneath them, and they basically decimated. This like, isn't what it looks like. I terrible, swear. Terrible, terrible first impression. Terrible first impression. And there's nothing worse than messing up a first impression. You know. And then we cut to the Arthi and Yo-Yo storyline, where we see Arthi, uh, not Arthi, Yo-Yo having a hard time over her breakup. She's really not handling it well, and I kind of like it because she was dating a bartender at the strip club she's working at. Yes. But the bartender that she's dating is also bisexual, mm-hmm. so she she ended up leaving Yolanda to date the bouncer. Yes. But it also turns out she's cheating on the bouncer with the bartender. With li- what, no. no, no, just some random woman who legit looks like Yolanda. Some rando. It's always some rando, and that's what breaks our heart the most. So, to blow off steam, Arthi Arthi decides to extinguish the flames the best of her ability. And to blow off steam, Yolanda takes Arthi to a warehouse where she meets her breakdancing friends. We cut back to Sam. Yeah, it's just kind of like... They just kind of, like, dance, right? That was literally all the panel was. It was just them, like, doing the pop lock and all that and uh, the Charlie Brown, whatever those moves were called. Woodstock. Then you uh, cut back and you have Sam in the bar with Beth's mother. And they're drinking and they're talking. And Sam realizes that Beth's mother is literally terrible. Like, she's a terrible woman. And Sam realizes that both the girls are missing and decides to act like a father. And then he finds... Those instincts come in handy. Sam's a good guy at the end of the day. He may be a coked up misogynist, but he still has some sort of heart. I love he may be a coked up misogynist. (laughs) That just sounds funny. (laughs) I'm the man sometimes. Who knows? He may be a coked up misogynist. (laughs) <laughs> so uh Sam ends up finding his daughter and uh Beth at an arcade. But uh, not before long, uh Justina and Beth are actually having a conversation where Beth was telling him uh, telling her that she kind of missed her father. Her father's dead and that was the best relationship she ever had with anybody. Uh Sam shows up and starts yelling and Justina decides to hug him. Just I'm sorry, and I missed you. Like a, like a, I appreciate you hug. Yeah. That was legit, and an, I appreciate you hug. And he probably wasn't used to that. Yeah, one hundred percent. He didn't even know what was going down. Uh, but soon after the nice moment, Beth decides to steal steal Sam's car. In an attempt, in an attempt to get his car back, uh, Beth yells for help. That she's being like kidnapped by a stranger danger. Yep, and some random dude shows up and tries to fight. <laughs> Yo, knocks him out. Yep, knocks him out, and man. She gets away with Grand Theft Auto. She steals the car. She yep. drives away. We cut back to the gym, and the news reporter's leaving, and we get Beth's mother approaching the news reporter, ready to sell information on Glow. Simultaneously, Bash Howard 
has good news for the girls, but Debbie. All right, I'm going to. I don't mean to pun, but I'm going to pun. Debbie, being a Debbie Downer, decides to say, We're fucked, as the literally says, to be continued. The last words of issue two is, We're, f- we're so fucked, and the issue ends. Oh, Debbie like Downer. Like that, she. Um... Beth just seems to always be one step ahead of every everyone, including her mother. Oh, one hundred. She knows how to evade, and I guess that you just learn that when you become an, a neglected child, right? You just you you learn to slip through the cracks. You learn to slip through the cracks. You learn to kind of um, I don't know. I feel kind of bad because this is obviously a girl who's smart. She came up with her own plans. She watches Glow, so she obviously has dreams or aspirations. They show her sitting there looking at Carmen performing and she looks like she has stars in her eyes. Like she actually believes in the, in what these women are doing. And that's what I'm saying. The representation matters because you have people out there who think that they can't do it or that these things are not for them. And ultimately in seeing someone who looks like them do those things, I know it sounds silly to some people who have had every bit of media garnered towards them, but to others who haven't, who you know, when you're playing um, Avengers, you can only pick certain characters because you only look like certain characters. To those kind of groups, they need heroes. They need people to to look towards. And um, a lot of times, unfortunately, those heroes that we want are not in our homes. They're not the people who raise us. They're not the people who take care of us. I love my parents, but not everybody does. And what happens when you grow up into a world where your parents are not people that you can depend on? You end up depending on yourself, and that's how you end up in Beth's situation. Which is kind of sad, because, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'd rather have a parent that isn't there for me after I become a quote-unquote legal adult than a parent who isn't there for me during my foundation. Like, I'm, I don't want to talk shit about my parents, but, you know, I, I kind of told my father one time, hey, listen, man, you know, I'm hungry. I don't, I'm kind of short a couple of dollars. My paycheck doesn't come in soon. Uh, can you can you like send me like ten bucks so I can get something to eat? Right. And my dad is just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm actually driving around. I don't know if I have it. I'm not gonna get to the bank in time. Just yada 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 excuses. That doesn't hurt me as much as if I was ten years old and I called my father and said, I need food. I'm hungry. And my dad said no. So I kind of see where Beth like the up upbringing is everything. Upbringing will always be everything. It's the foundation nature of who you are as a person. Right? Exactly, nature versus nurture. Now, I think uh, the book. What we the book ended there? Yes, there we go. So we're on issue three. No, issue four. Are we? Three. We're on issue three. Sorry. Yeah, because uh, she returned. She's about to return the car. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yes, that's right. The the whole uh, news reporter uh, cliffhanger ending. So yeah, the book basically opens up, and you see Beth having a conversation with her mother while showing that Beth was like stealing a car, and her mother's manipulating her in a sense, a little bit of manipulation on the mother's part. Yeah, we find that that her mother is a bit more nefarious than she is. So we cut back to the gym, and Bash Howard is in the middle of talking improv promos. <laughs> All right, it's because Glowbers of the Babyface was the first uh, comic book that I read of the show of that was. Adapted from the show? Yeah. I was getting all of the glow characteristics while reading this. So while I'm reading this, it wasn't like I was making up my own episode or own movie in my head for most comics that I would read. This was legit. I was seeing the actors and actresses acting out these panels. 
Yeah. So this cracked me up the That's most. That's how it was when, it was when Sam and uh, Rook have a conversation in the car and, and the first Chloe comic that we were covering. Yeah. I could totally hear. Because they've had conversations in a car before. Yep. Oh, you're talking about the taco thing where she was eating all of her tacos. <laughs> Yo! That was no, but it's funny. She only ate two tacos. But I, if I'm gonna use my knowledge correctly, you ever been to those those taco carts that are on like the street? Give you three. Thank you, George. You already know they give you three for, and they're like two dollars each. Yeah. So you're paying not like nine dollars for three tacos, or six dollars for three tacos. Going there to eat, he was in there eating, and she walked over there, and she she legit grabbed his bag and started eating tacos. But you. But between she me and stress eating though. But between me and you that we've seen two seasons of the show, we know Sam has an a huge love crush on Ruth that he's not gonna say no to eating the, the to her eating his tacos. So that's great. God, I'm glad you brought up that taco conversation. I could have sworn it was in, in this one, but you're right. It was it was in glow. Yeah. Tacos. Tacos. So yeah, we have so, um, while Bash is in the middle of trying to do improv promos, you have Sam in the background yelling about his car being stolen. Like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's not like my car was stolen. It's not like I got beat up. Oh, the it's whole like- time. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, okay, guys, listen. Things didn't go too well. Uh, they're actually going to do a whole expose on you guys. And the entire time in the background, Sam's like, and then she took the car. I mean, who takes the car? And, like, you're only getting the snippet. And then I tried the- getting my car back, and someone beat me up. Like, like- me in the face. I mean, that, I mean, I know, I know what you guys are wondering why I have this black eye. It's because somebody And then there was this, this one panel where he's literally waving his fists in the air like, my car. Yeah, he's over it. He, he was it. so over it. Oh, man. So, um... Beth decides to return the car uh, while almost running into Melrose. Uh, Sam hears a commotion and finds Beth outside and turns to shouting when Melrose offers to take Beth to the mall. The two go on their own misadventures, including food court in the mall, makeovers, clothes shopping, attempting to get into a club, and finally mini golf. Which, I'm not going to lie, I was saying this about every issue, because I know Glow versus the Babyface I read first. But I was saying this about like almost every issue of every glow that I was reading. Damn, why are all of these either ending with or in the middle having heart? In a sense, all every issue of all nine of these sh- things that I read had heart. Yeah, even though it's coming from a bunch of foul mouth drug taking, you know. But yeah. the whole fact that um Melrose attempts to ditch Elizabeth to make out and with a coworker and storage calls. Because she saw a mother and a daughter, and the the daughter was having such a great time complimenting the mother, and I guess she was having that like, uh, parental instincts like, oh wait, no, Elizabeth, don't they're go. All, they're all, you know, they they might be maligned people or you know a, a, a rough bunch of, of uh, rap scallions, but for the most part, they all have good hearts. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that's consistent. One hundred percent. So yeah, so um, Melrose and Beth go to the uh, to putt putt. Melrose tries to ditch her. She know she realizes I'm a better person than this, and she tries to bond with Elizabeth more. Uh, continue on the Yo-Yo Authy storyline. Yo-Yo has now decided to stalk her ex and her ex's new boo to a park, ready to confront her, ready to just go straight Hispanic on her. Authy tackles her straight into a pond. And starts to tell Yo-Yo that she has self-worth. That she's better than this. 
that this X that she's all, all like head over heels for is not even worth all of this trouble. Right. Giving her that, you know, that confidence. Obviously, Yo-Yo decides to yell, you're a skank in the park anyways. But, uh, it's... They you know, laugh. They laugh it off and they run away. But the, for me, who's seen the show up to its current season, all I see is that camaraderie, that, like, level of love that's in season three in this book. So it's like, damn, they're... For for uh, two girls that watch this show, they're really getting most of the, because they made this book before season three, yeah. so this is before you get a more in depth look at Yolanda and Authy's relationship. Add, you can add this to that backstory. Thank you. You're right because I could use this one day where they uh, go out, go shopping, go break dance, stalk an ex, start having real deep conversations, get into a fight. You can look at it as that's just another misadventure between season two and season three that helped them get closer. It's perfect. So, the book ends when we cut back to the glow gym where Beth's mother decides to bombard her way into Sam's office and blackmail him to have a main event spot on her show. Yep. Book four opens up with Sam, Debbie, and... Sam, Debbie, and Bash are literally overseeing and talking about the match that, or training match that Ruth is trying to have with Beth's mother, where she ends up pinning her backwards, yeah, upside down. Doesn't make any sense. Not at all. It was terrible. Uh, meanwhile, Yolanda decides to take Elizabeth to her job at the strip club. Yep. Where all of the women of Glow decide to come to Yolanda's job. And get pretty mad that she's taking an eight-year-old to a strip club while they're having a profile by the goddamn news. Yep. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Yo-Yo's ex, who is a bartender at Yo-Yo's job, tries to sweet-talk her. Tries to give her the old, that, uh, oh, I miss you, boo, type. Yeah, you know how it is, like, uh, yo, uh, I was thinking about you text. Those I miss you text. That late text. Yeah. Yep. And then, Arthi decides to shout at the top of her lungs at the bartender. Get your hand off my friend. You don't deserve her time. All of that stuff. You know, really standing up for uh, her uh, future lover, yeah. in a sense. Because we're, 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 we're well past spoiler alerts. So, future lover, in a sense. Listen, guys, you just got to watch the show. You see a full-out fight between strippers and wrestlers. Yo, you get a full... But it was so funny is they didn't want to fight. And then one of the main head strippers just comes like, yo, you don't you don't talk to my girls like that without having the hands. <laughs> Basically. So then you get a full-on fight. Uh, inside the locker room back at the gym, Carmen explains to Beth what a utility person is. I don't want to say utility man, because I know Carmen said it as that it's a utility man. But let's let's go all around progressiveness in twenty twenty. Utility person. Right. A utility person is someone that you can rely on in the ring to make you look good. Yeah. Someone who doesn't mind losing as long as and it helps. Make, make their loss look good, yeah. It also helps their loss look good. Because I remember uh, Zack Ryder, perfect example. When he was the Long Island IZ, and he would come out every Monday, and it yeah. didn't matter who he was facing, he would still lose anyways. Tell me after a while, you didn't say... 
damn, can't Zack Ryder get a win for once? It always happens when someone just loses constantly. As a fan, you're just like, all right, you know, I'm kind of tired of seeing them lose. But Can't they get a win? What they're there for? Because Carmen's not there to be a star. Oh no, Carmen's has with her stage fight and everything. She's sex she's... tape. You've seen wrestling with with my family or whatever. Yeah, she's a, she's sex tape. She makes the other guy look good. Yeah. Damn, I just realized the analogy that I used. Even though it's an actual movie, it's, right. I just realized the analogy I used for a woman. It, this is Women's History Month. I can't be doing this. So, the book. Yes, we talked about the book opening up. The fight breaking out in the strip Basically, club. Yeah. So after she explains that uh, the whole thing about being a utility person, I think Beth realizes she has that, that change of heart, and she also realizes that yeah, to to be a good person means sometimes not getting everything that you want. You have to have someone to rely on you yeah. to take that fall so they can help get ahead. It's right. the throwing your jacket on the and puddle. She, at, she's in a situation where she, all she has thought about is herself. Self-preservation, stealing stuff and selling stuff, where she's going to live, where she's going to stay. She's always looked after her own her own uh, goose, it was, it's, if you will. It, to be honest with you, it's it's the Eleanor Selstrop who emancipated from her family at like twelve years old and got her own apartment. It's like this, the, I'm this on my worst because the mother still has an attachment to her and is making her do stuff like blackmail her way onto having um, the main spot on the show. Basically, ba- whoa, wait a minute. But the whole thing, the whole thing is they're they're trying to say they're trying to talk about this whole blackmailing thing. So long as um, yeah, blackmail is really like yeah, so long as prevalent Beth, this comic. So long as Beth and her mom are on the same page, Beth's mom is going to be an event below. But because of this conversation with Carmen, Beth decides that she needs to be on the right side of history and helps uh, the Glow like people that. out by going out of her way to say all the nice things that Glow has done for her, including creating an entire uh, like a like a junior Glow program. Um, and she, she oh, that Sam. was yeah, that was great when she just came out and she's like, uh, I was I was a troubled teen. Whatever until Glow decided to come in and do the youth mentorship program, and now yeah. I'm on the better track. She thanks Sam uh, for helping her out. She thanks all the other girls, and realizing now that now it would look ridiculous if the mom came out and was like, "They're horrible people." The mom was out, and so yeah. And then the book basically ends because that was like the one of the last pages. The book basically ends with all the gorgeous ladies of wrestling and Sam and Bash watching the news. Because this was a news expo on the Girls' Ladies of Wrestling. Turns out, little old Elizabeth Babyface was so adorable that Glow wasn't even mentioned. It was all about a little girl that got a second chance at life. And now her life is 100% better because of the quote-unquote Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I mean, like we both say, all publicity is good publicity. But they barely even got publicity. Yeah. They got a name shout out and that's it. And that's just glow. Uh, you know, they they're the little engine that could, they're the little company <laughs> that can. They 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 are constantly being overlooked and and underutilized, but the women won't give up. And I am looking forward to season 3 and 4 of this show cuz season 4 is coming out soon. I can I honestly I so. really want you to get into 4. Uh, not 4. Sorry. I want you to get into 3 4 4. I'm glad man, this is the best part about having a podcast with you, man, with all of us. It's like we see something that we want to talk about. We throw – just nudge it in. Just nudge it like, hey, man. Yeah. Like I wanted you to watch this show not for the podcast. Uh, I yeah, wanted right. you to watch this show because, you know, we're really good friends and we get to – we watch the same shows and we just talk. But thank good old 
Greg Rebirth over here decided to tell us on our, uh, what was it, our 100th episode, the live one, that this was a comic too. So once once he said that this was a comic, I just kept throwing it in there. Yo, let's read Glow. Let's yeah, read and cover that, Glow. Let's and read and cover Glow. History and WrestleMania season upon us, it felt like the best time to do so. Oh, I'm that's glad what, that we did. That's the best part about it is, you know me, you know I love having our episodes topical. I will always love having our episodes topical for so this is to be Women's History Month, an all female comic, not characters. I'm talking all female made comic, and WrestleMania weekend coming up. This was you're right. It's the perfect time to finally get it down to the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed watching the show, and hopefully you guys uh, look out look out for the rest of the comics that these guys will be pumping out. I know they'll be pumping out more as the show continues to grow in popularity. Unfortunately, season four of Glow will be the last season of Glow. Netflix doesn't seem keen about keeping things past four seasons. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front. I think they should end at four. Yeah, most things don't. Get that last season four. seems like it should be like a last season. To, as long as the final episode is good, I don't care if if it's the last season of a show. I just want the wrap ups to be right. Yeah. You know what's so hard about that? Um, I I'm I'm hoping for some good stuff. Speaking of hoping for some good stuff, next week we'll be tackling Bloodshot, the second comic book movie of the year. Hopefully, I like oh, it shit, more than Birds right. of Prey. That's right. Birds of Prey came out in like January. Bloodshot is next, and then it is wrestling with comics. I think again, or are we doing Robin? No, you're doing Robin retrospective next. Robin week. turns eighty years old. People, Robin yeah. of Batman and Robin theme of the dynamic duo. If theme. I'm not mistaken, you switched Robin for Glow, right? Because yeah, 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 yeah. this week would have been Robin, next week would have been me and you for Bloodshot, and then me and you for Glow. Yeah, but Bloodshot's, switch... still, Bloodshot's, Bloodshot's still next. Next up. And then we'll have Robin, yeah, like you said. And then after and then... Robin is Wrestling With Comics. Yep. Oh, no, New Mutants, then Wrestling With Comics, I think. No, because Wrestling With Comics is the same week as WrestleMania weekend. Oh, shit. So it's That's the first right. week of April. And then New Mutants. Yeah, because we did Wrestling With Comics. Go back if you like professional wrestling, if you like this conversation about professional wrestling. We did an episode last WrestleMania weekend um, dealing with the, a lot of the similarities between comic books and professional wrestling. And we'll be doing that again this year. So make sure you stay t- in tune for that. And the best way to stay in tune for everything is going to comicbookclick.com. That's where every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast is. It's the home of the Major Issues Podcast, comicbookclick.com. I love but hearing it. Say it one more time. Comicbookclick.com. I love hearing <laughs> that .com part. We have an official website. People go into the show notes. You can go to comicbookclick.com. It's the one-stop shop for all of our stuff, our merchandise, our articles, our podcast episodes. Go go in there. Find what you like. Share what you don't. Or, or share what you like. And comment. You can comment on every single episode right there on the site. But if you already have a podcast app, go to it and download the Major Issues Podcast. And we're available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, uh, YouTube, Google Play. Um, I think Spotify. Spotify. No, uh, we actually are on Spotify because uh, uh, my one of my fellow right fielders on my softball team yeah. asked me about my podcast because I came up in um, softball practice with the old shirt. Yeah. The old comic book click shirt, and he asked me about it. And I told him, yeah, podcast, uh, Spotify, because that's what he listens to. Yeah. Pulled out the Spotify. I swear on everything. I typed in major IS. The that's first right. thing that popped up was major issues. I, I saw it myself. That's so I'm not are. bullshitting. That's where we are now. We're, we're closing in on 7,000 overall downloads. We're over 100 episodes, which means over 200 hours of content. Talk about the latest Over two and years, things. my friends. Talk about the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. So make sure... That you guys are are here, are part of every single episode. We come out every single Wednesday. Haven't missed one yet. Knock on wood. 
We never will as long as I'm on this goddamn podcast. Wow. I s- George, I we'll will literally there. make we'll us right there because we do have an entire uh, history. We have an entire library that people need to go back and listen to. They, we've done other a lot of other comic books this um years already that it started that we normally probably wouldn't have. Listen so to War of the Realms, guys. Like listen to the I loved War of the Realms. Listen, listen to the alcoholic. Listen to our black label stuff. Um, we we're covering it all, and uh, yeah, we'll be covering even more. So make sure that you're there. Um, one thing that you can do for us is rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters. Find out what you like and don't like about the podcast as it is, because we're trying to become your favorite podcast, and we're doing our best. But help us get there. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend. Like, share, and subscribe across all platforms, and you can reach us at facebook.com slash comicbookclick, Instagram at comicbookclick, or use the hashtag comicbookclick to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. That's my favorite song. And you can find all of that in the show notes or, again, comicbookclick.com. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our gorgeous ladies of wrestling versus the babyface recap. I'm so happy that we're finally covering this. Recap and review, and remember, whether or not you're some evil Soviet woman, whether you're the, the belle of the ball of the red, white, and blue, whether you, whether you believe in black magic, Machu Picchu's, she-wolves, or uh, British people? I believe in British people. Don't whether be you're a, a toxic for, twin. Don't be a buffer queen. Don't be a toxic <laughs> twin. Don't be a mad bomber. Don't be a buffer queen. <laughs> don't be a fortune cookie. But be whatever you want to be. Because... That's all that matters. I think that kind of got muddied in, in somewhere in between. It. Just remember, man or woman, we are the click, and you, yes, you, are worth it.